Hey, movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 76. If you're anything like us, you're probably stuck at home for probably the foreseeable future. So let us help you out. In our discussion today, we'll be giving you our top recommendations from some of the major streaming services. We'll be covering Netflix, Hulu, Disney+, and Shudder. I know horror's niche, but... There's still some good recommendations, and we'll get to it later, but they have a really good deal going on right now. Uh, Josh, how are you doing in these trying times? I'm all right. I, um, I, uh, my family, like, so my younger two brothers had a basketball tournament that, you know, for obvious reasons, got canceled last week. Um, so they came down to Texas to visit us. And given what my situation was at, at the time of being not really having a lot of money and because of that, not being able to stock up and all this other stuff. So I ended up going up north to Tennessee with them. And I've been chilling here since for uh, four or five days. Very Something nice. Like that. Very nice. And, and I'm days. sure there'll be stuff that you can suggest in their streaming recommendations later. Uh, but you got anything off the top of your head for uh, what we watching that you've been watching that you are like, I watched this recently for good or for bad. Um, oh, uh, you'll be proud of me. This is not necessarily a response to the question, unfortunately, but I showed them knives out. Yes, that, that'll work. That That's good. That's good. Share the gospel of knives out. Yes. And, it, and they loved it. And I'm also, I had mentioned, um, Peter Butter, Peter Butter Falcon and my dad like perked up like, like, <laughs> like your wife does when somebody mentions a dog. Um, he like perked up and he was like, Oh, I was, I've been itching to watch that. And I was like, really? All right. Well, I have my access to it. So we can watch it sometime. <laughs> um, let's see. So I did that. I showed Luke, my youngest brother, uh, uh, TMNT versus Bat- uh, Batman versus TMNT. Yeah. Which is <laughs> always a good one um, when you can find it. But yeah, dude, like it's been all kinds of stuff. I've been watching and it's on my list, but I've been watching um, uh, My Hero Academia. The They have like the fourth season out on Hulu and I've just been avoiding it just because I've watched the whole show in dub up to this point. And it's uh, the last, the fourth season's um, subtitled. So I was just dragging my feet on it. But so I'm halfway through that right now. So the money that I have been saving with gas and tolls and everything else has not entirely, but this money that I'm saving has been going to rentals like voodoo and on demand stuff. Yeah. Which is like great because a lot of on demand places are doing great deals. And we got a, a decent deal on one that we've been meaning to check out for a while. Um, and that was Dora the Explorer. Oh? And it, How was that? It is way better than it has any right to be. <laughs> That's so unfortunate. Like, I'm not even joking. See it. And also, without dipping too much into spoilers, there's a scene that made Heather and I burst out laughing because it pays tribute to the original series in a really funny way. Jeez, dude. It's actually really clever. It's clearly for kids, but it's not like childish. It's still a lot of fun. 
Yeah. Wow. I would never have guessed <laughs> that that would be on here. I heard positive things about it, so I was just like, you know what? I'll check it out at some point. And now I clearly have the time on my hands. So we checked it out. And we're like, this was really good. Yeah. And on the flip well, side of that, that, two nights ago, we watched Jamie Lee Curtis's Prom Night from 1980. That was the opposite of Dora. Which is, I mean, uh, just in tone or like in, in everything. Tone, oh, enjoyment levels. It made me appreciate Halloween that much more of just like, oh, everything else around that era is probably not that solid. <laughs> no way. It was just like, this is so bad in so many ways. Yeah. Oh, Oof. also, uh, I'll just so you know, I braved the outside world today to go on a supply run, but because it's two, we're recording this on Tuesday as opposed to our normal Monday night. Uh, it's Tuesday, so I made sure to run out and get some of the new releases. So I got 1917 and Jumanji on 4K. So I'm looking forward to watching those with my time. Nice. Um, are those going to be yes. on a certain? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Did you end up seeing Jumanji? I did not. I didn't get a chance to see it before they, t they was out of theaters. Okay. Yeah, I think it it's on par, if not maybe a little bit better than the first one. But obviously, 1917 is something special. Yeah. Well, and my dad, that's one of those. My dad and I have always, for some reason, seen war movies together. That's been our thing. Um, he was the first one to be like, hey. You like war movies? We just he he was the one you like who gladiator movies, son. <laughs> Stop! I was trying not to do that, um, but he was the he was the one I got the whole. Uh, you don't watch Lord of the Rings unless you watch the fully extended versions, kind of niche from, um, because I literally like because of him and kind of my uncle too. Like I cannot watch lord of the rings unless it's fully extended because all of the other versions are cut weird yes um, um but anyway uh so he and i he have always enjoyed war movies um uh, like he when, I'm, when i talked about lone survivor uh, i think it was last week wasn't it um he's the one that took me to it and so he and i were talking earlier uh, I want to say yesterday we're like, he, he's like, Hey, did you get a chance to see 1917? I was like, I haven't, I have a feeling I'm it's going to be available soon. And he was like, cool. So you and he, you and I need to watch this. I was like, okay, so that'll be fun to have a little, little moment with my dad that I haven't, I haven't gotten to have in a while. Cause I mean, my parents have lived in Tennessee for a year and a half now. So I haven't gotten to really see them much. Yeah. I'll put those in once we're done here tonight. <laughs> Yay. So thankfully, um, even though we're all more or less in shutdown, it seems like at least we have some um, new movie news to discuss. There's been at least slow trickles. Um, yeah. First and foremost, Disney Plus is making some big splashes of Onward will be available on Disney Plus as soon as April 3rd. So next week. Um I think this is Disney making the best of a bad situation all around. Yeah, because from what I heard, it was a good movie. 
Yeah, I heard it was it's decent, not like top tier Pixar. Yeah, but I mean it was much better than the we than we what we thought it was gonna be. Well, yeah, that's there's really not the best that they could have done. Yes. Um, I think also this is Disney cutting their losses for uh, a couple different reasons. They're clearly trying to help people out. Uh, it's what they did with Frozen 2 the week before. And if this continues like it's expected to, I would not be surprised at all if we see Rise of Skywalker on Disney Plus within the next two or three weeks. Um, but I'll still be buying a physical copy of Rise of Skywalker. Um, I think they're cutting their losses here because even before this whole quarantine situation, Onward wasn't quite living up to the box office that they were hoping for. Yeah. But I also think that people are more likely to go check it out if it's on a streaming platform. And that's not nothing a knock on Onward at all, but more so it's just more convenient for people. It makes me wonder why people would actually bother renting it. It's like the same mentality of people that still, for some reason, insist on buying. Because there's people out there that I'm sure still insist on buying WWE pay-per-views instead of just getting the network one time and spending the 10 bucks instead of the 60 that an actual pay-per-view would be. Like movie rentals, if you get them right when they come out, are expensive. Like Invisible Man or The Hunt of movies that are would have been in theaters are like 20 bucks rental. And I'm sure onwards probably like seven or eight bucks. So why would you pay for a rental when you can just watch it for the same amount of time on Disney Plus in probably the most premium quality? Yeah, that's... I, I think right now I'm more baffled that people still pay for pay-per-views. They, they still... There are definitely still some people that do that. That's, but why? <laughs> Maybe they don't know, or they are just like, that means I would have to sign up for the subscription. I'm just like, if you've never signed up before, you can get the the show for entirely free. I, mm, I mean, I just don't under, to be okay, to be fair, these days, I can see not wanting to support the network, but wanting to watch a pay-per-view every now and then. But even then the pay-per-views are like 60 bucks. So it's like, yeah, I don't have WWE network on a regular basis. I will get the network for the major shows. Now that's about it. And even then that's 10 bucks a month instead of 50, but there's people still out there. Um, I think there's still some holes in the system that we need to fix, at least with these like, current thing these current video on demand systems um like onward i'm excited because i can guarantee you when it comes to disney plus it'll be 4k dolby surround sound because like any it feels like almost any disney release after a certain point when it gets to disney plus it's guaranteed to be 4k and everything else um Which is, I can't say the same about video on demand, at least with some of the ones that are currently out, like The Invisible Man or The Hunt of movies that were in theaters. For some reason, all of those rentals are at most HD, which may seem weird and like me being super nitpicky, but if I'm watching it at home, I kind of want the best possible quality and HD isn't the highest possible quality anymore. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. For at least home consumers? 
Yeah, it's like almost know, any dude. movie rental, you can get a 4K option. And yes, they're more expensive, but it's weird that The Invisible Man doesn't have a 4K version or The Hunt has a 4K version. Um, and I'm sure Onward does. I'm not sure if you can rent it or not, but I'm sure when it comes on Disney Plus, it will be in that format. I think I, I'm not entirely sure, honestly. But that could also be because there's been reports that different streaming services like Netflix and YouTube are going to cut down on video quality, at least temporarily, to save on bandwidth. I can, okay, I can see that. Because everyone's on the internet right now. No way, really? I wonder why. Yeah, I was just, my, so my current work situation is like they, they want us to work from home, but they'll make us come in for like a day or two during the week just because there's some very time sensitive things that like have to be done in office. But even then they're just like only stay for like six or seven hours. They're, they've been really good. Um, but my boss and I always joke with him. I'm just like, yeah, we're fine. Our internet's still holding up because the minute any area's internet goes down, that's where the purge is going to start. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have a whole bunch of opinions right now about all of this, but we'll, we won't get into it. Um, what, uh, what were you we talking about? We were talking about streaming, or the um, stream, streaming quality. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean, some people, like, be, hmm? go for it. Some people might not care. I mean, cause I know at least for me, but that's also cause I'm kind of lazy sometimes if, the video quality on Netflix like changes suddenly. Like I'll just bear through and watch it. Like Netflix, I've gotten used to it. The Netflix account that I'm on is just an HD one. But if I want like a rental of a specific movie, I will at least want the option for like a rental that I would pay for myself. I at least kind of want the option to be able to watch it in the top quality possible. If I have the equipment needed to watch it in that format yeah i agree like if you're releasing it for this home video format it's weird that you don't have that already but maybe it's a case of these movies just don't have a 4k version peanut butter falcon the lighthouse neither of them have any 4k version whatsoever very true because Um, they probably don't need it yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, the funniest thing right now out of this is the uh, how much time people are having to spend uh, on, you know, playing games and on streaming services. And so uh, I don't know if you're aware, but the new Animal Crossing just came out. Yes. And the Doom Eternal game, which both of them supposedly are really good. Yes. Uh, I've heard that Doom Eternal is just there on that line of being too hard <laughs> um, it's a doom game yeah that's what i said um but uh animal crossing people because they have all this time on their hands which is hilarious to me there was somebody who recreated multiple scenes of the lighthouse using animal crossing i saw that it was, and it has been the funniest thing on the face of the planet for me. Oh, that's just wonderful. So somebody talked, also, mm-hmm. somebody also made like uh, a serial killer basement and it's, it's quite terrifying. I mean, that doesn't surprise me. So we <laughs> yeah. talked about 
Onward coming to Disney Plus. And that kind of ties in with our next news story in that some people are actually calling now. And I'm not going to lie. I think people are just being greedy at this point because Disney's given them a little and now people want even more. Uh, yeah. Now people are calling for Black Widow to be released on Disney Plus because it will not now be making its theatrical release. Black Widow now is also a victim of being pushed back uh, with an undisclosed release date. Um, I think the big difference here, and it's a world of difference, is Onward already was in theaters for at least a little bit before this came, before this incident. We'll just go with that. Happened. Yeah. Black Widow still has not come out yet. And this movie needs to come out in theaters for them to recoup their money. It's like Mulan. It's better to postpone this than just go, if you dump it to streaming, that's, you're taking a huge loss financially for that. And also it's a red flag of might not be that good. Um, yeah. But again, I think it's great. Think services uh, like Disney Plus or Shudder, which we'll talk about later, or Universal uh, releasing these movies, video on demand, is great. But at the same time, I immediately saw, uh-oh. This is going to set a precedent and people are going to get greedy. As soon as Black yeah. Widow got announced, they're like, that should go to Disney+. Plus." I'm like, that... You already have Disney+. Plus. If they released Black Widow on Disney+, Plus, it would be a ploy to get more people to sign up. That's yeah. financial suicide, basically, to put Black Widow on Disney+. Plus. It will be there after a theatrical run, whenever that ends up being. Yeah, absolutely. It's... Yeah, it's just... People being, I want it. This sounds cool. We should have this because it. I think it, I don't know. It kind of seems like people are taking advantage of a situation. Unfortunately, that's kind of the uh, people being greedy and and kind of wanting more than they might. You know, being unreasonable about how much they want is kind of the the theme sometimes for this. Like you said, this event that's going on right now. Um. I, I think also I the dangerous that. precedent that might be set if if they did give in to people's want of like release this on Disney Plus, uh, all right, then people will expect and yeah, and unfortunately it, it speed up the process of movies being released on Disney Plus sooner than frankly I want them to be, and that yeah. very much the movie industry right now is in very much danger as is. This incident is doing a lot of damage. In a lot of different areas, and movies are no exception. Um, it's yet to be seen whether this will have long-lasting impacts on the movie world. I think it might um, in terms of overall attendance because if we have the if we're quarantined for long enough, I think people will get too used to the idea of watching stuff at home. I, yeah, I completely agree. Um, but I will say, I think if this does last as long as I think it's going to, as, as it hints at lasting, I think people will be itching to do anything to get out of the house. Which is why I've said before, it doesn't matter what that movie is. That's the first one to come out after this is all done. It doesn't yeah. matter what the movie is. It could be Transformers 9 for all I care. It will do phenomenal at the box office. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, the interesting thing is 
Uh, Black Widow is not the only female-led superhero movie that got delayed recently. Uh, Wonder Woman just got delayed a day or two ago. However, I think this one's a little bit more interesting as this is the first major movie delay that we've seen that already has its rescheduled date. It has now been moved from June 5th to August 14th. So, not a big pushback. Every other movie we've seen delayed so far is we're delayed indefinitely until we don't know when this thing will be taken care of, then we'll figure it out at a later date, which has been a ton of movies. I think it's very interesting that they've already set this date. Like, June 5th, for all we know, this thing could pass by then. We don't know. There's so many variables that we just don't know at this time. Um, I think they're being safe than sorry, which is a great move. Um, And there's some people saying, you could just, uh, once things over, you could just release a movie. No, you can't. That's not how this works. You have to probably allow (sighs) rough estimates. If a movie wants to do really well, probably about three weeks before you release a movie because you have to start the marketing campaign up again. Yeah. So people are like, you don't people need marketing. Have to be aware of really? It. You don't need marketing. You don't go, you're going to see a movie completely cold. Yeah. It's, that's tough, dude. That's really tough. Cause yes, I want, I desperately want to go to the movies right now as I'm sure a lot of people do. But even if movie theaters were open this Friday, I guarantee you there would be none of the blockbusters that we want, at least for another two or three weeks, because companies like Disney or Universal or Warner Brothers, they know, yes, people want to go, but you can't just stack everything in one weekend because then you're going to, the audience is going to eat itself in terms of the revenue and you're not going to have as big of returns as possible, but also you got to remind people your movies coming out of right now, since there's so many movies delayed, you could have Mulan drop this Friday, but then you would only have three days to remind people, Oh yeah, guys, Mulan is available now. And you're going to tell me you can get generate just as much excitement with three weeks of press as you would for three weeks. I don't think so. Well, it's, (laughs) I would agree because at the end of the day, like if you think marketing doesn't work, let's look at John Carter. Yeah, literally, I was going right there. Like it's a great movie. Well, I wouldn't go great. It's 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 a John good Carter, movie. Treasure Planet, Atlantis. Yeah, it, it. But their marketing campaigns were such that nobody cared. So it's you have it, to remind matters. people what movies coming out and why they should see it. Yeah, I mean, if anything, just to remind them that it's coming out. Yeah, I'm also curious with all these major movies that got delayed, like Mulan, like A Quiet Place Two, where they're gonna slot later in the calendar because there's still other movies coming out in the summer like the peak movie season and you don't want them to cannibalize each other exactly and it's dude like this i still remember uh, not last december but the december before that there was a span of five days when you had 
like six big movies all come out in the same weekend and none of them really got the box office that they were hoping for, at least for that opening weekend. You had Aquaman, Bumblebee, Mary Poppins Returns, Holmes and Watson, Into the Spider-Verse, and there's one other movie that came out within phase of each other. That is a dumb move. It is. I, I think the other thing too was, um, oh geez. Yeah. Cause like you just don't, like you said, you don't want these things, these uh, things, uh, eating each other alive. And uh, that's why like Marvel doesn't go that close to a DC movie and DC and likewise, you know, vice versa. It's not because they're scared of each other, but because they want the best opportunity for, for, to make their money back. It's the same reason why I hate those comic book fans that are just like, DC sucks and I want them to fail because Marvel's better. I'm like, you do realize if Marvel or DC fails, the other one's in trouble because it's WWE and WCW all over again. You're only as good when you have most competition. If you have no mm-hmm. competition, you have no motivation to be better. Exactly. Um, but this next story is rather interesting and I think there's a little bit more to it than some people may give it credit for. But at the same time, I don't think it's entirely likely, but it's still interesting nonetheless. Um, there's several industry insiders currently that are saying, given the current financial situation, that Apple might be in a better situation than ever before to purchase Disney. Um <laughs> I know you're laughing at this, Josh. Why don't you lead us it's, off? Um, I mean, it's just a big part of it because it's so funny to me to think that Apple, of all companies, would buy Disney. I'm more just thinking, yeah, right, like anybody would ever buy Disney. Disney's the one that buys. You don't buy Disney. But at the same time, if anybody could probably do it, it's Apple. Uh, uh what are your general thoughts? Do you see it happening? Is this something you would actually want? Yes or no? Um, okay. I will say I don't think it's a smart move. To me, to have I mean, because you there's already controversy over this those senators that sold like dropped all this stock like a month or so before the coronavirus hit. Right? So you already have this, some of that kind of controversy. So I feel like it would not be seen as a, as a, how do I want to, how do I want to, how do I want to say this? As a uh, conscious move, you made a very large purchase like that in the midst of a net of a worldwide crisis. Yeah, it would look bad right now. It's like, if you're playing a game, Disney's stamina is down for a little bit. They need to hide in the corner and let their teammates bail them out for a little bit because while Disney is normally the tank of the crew, they just blew all their stamina and they just lost. They got hit real hard in the shoulder and they need to walk it off for a little bit. Why? Because, yes, while the film division is suffering a bit and that's a big part of Disney's revenue, their biggest piece of revenue just took the biggest hit with this virus, the theme parks. Yeah. Every single Disney park, and I believe every hotel as well, is closed. That is their biggest moneymaker, and that nosedive the stock. I'm sure it'll eventually rebound, but 
right now the stock is in a much more affordable place for Apple than it was four weeks ago. I just, yeah, like it's, it's the stock is of a lot of companies is super low. And like, like my credit score randomly got an 80 point bump for no reason. I was like, okay, I mean, I don't mind, but okay. Yeah. Um, It's going to be weird to look back on what's happening right now in history books that never seem to get updated. Uh, Was it just me or was every history book we ever had in school, like it stopped being made after 92? Yeah. Like I remember every history book I ever had, it still said Clinton was president, but that's a weird side tangent for another day. Um, It's going to be weird to look back at the ramifications of what's happening for a whole bunch of different stuff. Tourism. Uh, some people are comparing it to back to uh, 9-11 when no one really wanted to fly or there was danger there. And there was long-lasting effects for tourism afterwards. I can see it, that happening here, too. I could see rates being incredibly cheap for flights, hotels, um, and that definitely being a big bottom line for Disney, Universal. I would say SeaWorld, but they closed many days later because no one goes. Um well, and they, yeah, yeah, geez, I don't want to talk about Sea World, geez. It's just, it's interesting to think that Disney, I don't think it'll happen. And people will be like, why would they do it? Disney Plus, Apple TV is the worst streaming service right now. And I'll tell you something, Apple don't like to lose. They're being no, they laughed don't. at right now for Apple TV. And rightly so, because there is like, Nothing worth watching on Apple TV. There's like, what, five shows and maybe five movies. They desperately need content. Mm -hmm. And buying Disney, all of a sudden you have everything on Disney Plus and everything that Disney ever will make. So there's your content that you need right there. Uh, It just confirms to me that if these reports are true, and I don't think Apple's going to end up buying Disney, I think they're going to end up buying somebody though, whether that's Sony or... um, it's not going to be Warner Brothers because I don't think Apple can buy AT&T. Um, whether yeah. it's, if they're going to buy some studio within the next three years. Absolutely. Uh, because like I said, Apple doesn't like to lose. And right now they're losing and being laughed at. And Apple doesn't like to be embarrassed, which happens more than they might think happens. Yeah, it's unfortunate. <laughs> so... Uh, moving away from stocks, any other week, this probably would be our headline story that this also kind of raises some questions and validity, I think, for me, but we'll get into that in just a second. Did you love The Mandalorian? Well, season two has now wrapped filming, and it seems like we may have had some big detail about the show leaked or officially confirmed or... I'm not sure. It's a bit sketchy that Star Wars fan favorite character Ahsoka Tano will be in Mandalorian Season 2 making her live action debut played by Rosario Dawson. Um, I'm, I have mixed thoughts on this. None of them are negative. I just have different interesting thoughts to make of this. But before I get into it, Josh... What are you making of this? Do you believe it? Do you not? Do you like the casting? Do you not? What are your thoughts? Um, (laughs) 
I'm I'm still very 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 on the fence about this. Uh, I first of all, I really don't want any details of the Mandalorian season two leaked. I, like genuinely, I just like I want to be able to experience that as you know at, at its purest form. But, like how nothing got leaked about the season one finale and that thing coming back. Exactly. Like, bro, come on. Uh, it was because it, there's it's so hard these days to to hide that sort of stuff. So I would like. I mean, it would be really cool to keep everything tight lipped. How and you know, not to say that Mandalorian needs any help hyping up season two, because with how season two, season one's one ends. I mean, for those who haven't watched, y- you better tune in, dude. Um, but tailing off of our conversation about marketing, if you want some eyeballs on maybe some people that for whatever reason with some star Wars fans that weren't tuning into Mandalorian, um, Ahsoka Tano is the way to go. And honestly, Dawson is, yeah, um, I, I would very much like for her to be, um, Ahsoka, especially because at this point in the timeline, she's old. She definitely be much, much older. Yes. Um, I have mixed thoughts, but again, like I said, it's not like mixed thoughts of some positive, some negative. I off the top of my head, I can't think of any negative. It's positive with a lot of uncertainty. It's I'm pressing X for doubt a lot on this. Um, yeah, I, I think the the main thing for me is I don't know if this is how I wanted her de- her debut to be. Not that I, it's not saying that that I I look down on the Mandalorian. I I I've, I was really wanting something bigger. Maybe I don't know. It like yeah, like, but yeah. Keep keep going. I'm sorry. I I'll get my positive out of the way, and then I'll get my doubts out of the way. Um, I I do like the casting of Rosario Dawson. I think she's the right age. It's been a fan cast that people have wanted for a while, and I think that's what's suckering some people in. And here's where my doubts come in. Rosario Dawson has been the one and the only name that's ever been attached for fan castings of a live-action Ahsoka Tano. Like, no one else. They've always... People have basically just wanted her. And I think people... Like, Slash Film is the one reporting this. They seem credible. I'll give them that. It's not like we got this covered or cosmic book news that just seems to just poop stuff out and call it fact. This seems like it could be reliable. But I think people are treating this like we got this covered of it's a headline they want to believe, therefore they believe it. Um, also, I, I can I can see that. I don't know if I... I put in the notes for this, reportedly cast as Ahsoka because yes. I still have a lot of doubts whether this is true or not, and here's why. Mandalorian Season 2 has been done, been done filming for about two or three weeks now, and I think it's weird that this quote-unquote, gets reported or leaked, however we want to say it, after it's already done filming. Normally, these type of reports or leaks come out during filming. Now, I know Mandalorian films like on a closed set and whatnot, 
but that's typically information that comes out during the production, not like a post-production phase. This is kind of an awkward, weird time to do it. Um, what makes me do kind of buy is Ahsoka Tano is a creation of Dave Filoni, like his pride and joy, the thing that he himself created for Clone Wars. Dave Filoni created The Mandalorian with Jon Favreau. So it doesn't surprise me that he would want to bring in his own characters into The Mandalorian, um, which is totally fine. However, I know that Ahsoka Tano, due to the events of Rebels, is still alive post-Return of the Jedi. I've never really liked that because... While I like Ahsoka Tano, it kind of makes me not like her knowing that she was sitting on the sidelines during the original trilogy and didn't do anything. Yes. Granted. Okay, I get it. You're not a Jedi anymore. You turned your back on that. The universe needed good people. And what were you doing? So I'm going to hate myself for saying this. And you're going to hate me for saying this. Oh, no, I'm going to listen. What do you got? Have you read the book? The Ahsoka book? Yes. No. It is the one that they wrote that's that is canon. No. Okay. Does a, it explain it? Yeah. A. I would highly recommend it. B. It's an adventure post that the from everything that I can gather takes place during the uh, the original trilogy. Now, okay. I won't say... If, if there is a canon reason why she is preoccupied, then I am more than willing to listen to that. That yes. If they do have her in Mandalorian, that's something that they would probably need to explain. Because I'm sure yes. there's other people like me that don't read every single Star Wars book that would kind of want that answer filled in. Yeah. Well, and also, I mean, the big thing for me... Was you would have I to kill her out. off before right, uh, Force Awakens? Maybe... There is an interesting theory, however, that I have heard is if this opens the doorway for connections to other Dave Filoni projects like the Clone Wars characters or Rebels characters, could this be the back door into a return of Ezra Bridger as an adult? Because um, slight spoiler alert, not a major one, but Ezra Bridger actually survives the entire series of Star Wars Rebels and is clearly alive, we just don't know where, post-Return of the Jedi. Um, he and Thrawn both are still alive somewhere out there. They're like in Dave Filoni's back pocket. So some people are suggesting yeah. maybe this is the back door to introduce Ezra Bridger, and Mando is seeking out Ezra Bridger to drop off the child. I, and see, see, that's the thing, too, is... If Thrawn was in existence, where was he during original trilogy? Uh, because the, that the have you are you caught up on Rebels? I haven't seen the final season. No, I'm gonna tell you what happens to Ezra and Thrawn. Okay, that's fine. Um, they get sent out way like way outer rim, like to the point of okay. There's a there's they are fully exempt from being in the original trilogy because they're that far out of the galaxy. Okay. That, it's kind I, of I like see, they I just got that. put somewhere else for the time being because I'm sure they have plans for them later, especially the fan favorite that is Thrawn. Oh, dude. And I think you told he, me 
um, what's his face? Gus from Breaking Bad. If you told me his boss was Thrawn. Dude. Dude. Let's go. Live Let's action go. Thrawn played by Lucius Malfoy. Absolutely. I'm like, I would not even fight you on that. It, the, the, see the, and I think that's kind of the reason why I'm okay with Ahsoka being absent. I'm during... okay with her being in this. I just have my doubts because oh yeah, uh, yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah, I've liked the Mandalorian so far because it doesn't shoehorn in references. It lets them flow organically, and I feel like Ahsoka is a big old shoehorn. Uh, I agree. Um, we'll, we'll, we will see what happens because to the fans' credit, I don't know who else you would cast as Ahsoka. Because if you cast Ahsoka, you don't want to do so much makeup. And she looks enough like Ahsoka and in my mind would sound enough like her. I think the voice is going to be my biggest hang-up because it's only ever been Ashley Eckstein. Which is fair enough. I mean, and, and it's it's why it's hard to imagine Obi-Wan without Ian McGregor. Yeah, but James Arnold Taylor did a great enough job of replicating the voice, I think, and being a middle ground between McGregor and Guinness. That's fair. Um, for our last one, this is our almost like obligatory tinfoil hat story, but I think... There's some interesting things to break down here. So The Rock, like the rest of humanity, is quarantined, and he's been doing, like, these Q&As on Instagram. And most of them are just The Rock, just inspirational mumbo-jumbo. And none of them are particularly interesting, except for one raised some interesting suspicions for myself and other comic book fans. So as you know, he was supposed to start filming the Black Adam movie, um, later this summer. And maybe that'll still happen. Uh, but e- again, everything is up in the air. Uh, apparently, he's been attached to Black Adam a lot longer than we realize. He's been attached to this project for about 10 years now. And he, this, his whole verbatim that he was talking about online made me a lot more confident in this Black Adam movie because just the way he was talking about it, maybe you see his passion for the project and okay, you clearly do understand this character more than I'm giving you credit for. However, he seemed to be teasing some things that are rather interesting, to say the least. Um, So, for those that don't know, Black Adam is essentially like the anti-Shazam. Think of all the powers and abilities that Shazam has, except the evil version of that. So, The Rock was describing what makes Black Adam so interesting to him, why he loves the character so much, and more or less trying to hype up the character. However, and maybe this was just trying to appeal to a mass audience, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I don't think I am. He never once actually said Shazam when he's talking about Black Adam. He only ever said Superman. He was saying, Mm -hmm. he's a strong Superman. He can go toe-to-toe with Superman. Um... He can kick Superman's butt. We're looking forward to the great fights. Something, something, something. Black Adam versus Superman. And my ears immediately just go, do you know something we don't hear, Rock? Because we all thought Superman was gone and you are destined to fight 
Zachary Levi Shazam, are you aware of something that we are not? Or is The Rock just trying to make the common man understand the powers of Black Adam and putting it in terms that they understand? What do you think, Josh? Am I reading too much into this? Or does The Rock know something we don't? I I think you can fall on either side of the street on it. Um, I think the funny thing for me is watching that video and do you know doing what I do in my free time, <laughs> knowing how wrestlers tell stories and seeing him struggle to not use wrestling terms. Because legitimately, like he said it without saying it, that yes, I love that he said that, you know, yes, he's a supervillain, but he's an antihero in the way that he doesn't think that what he's doing or how far he takes things is wrong. Exactly like a heel. Like, it, you know, you get the audience behind you, but not be, and then you crush them. They, they want, they want to cheer for you because what you're saying is right, but how you're going about it isn't, which I really, really appreciated. I, I, and for that reason, I see no reason why they can't do a black Adam versus Superman in this, in this world, especially, especially if they bring back Henry. And I think there's where there's smoke, there's fire with this because a while back, like I think this point last year, there was a picture that I'll use for the like main thumbnail for this news topic of The Rock and Henry Cavill just talking in at The Rock's house, more or less like sharing a drink together. And he said something captioned about like planning the future, discussing things, and everyone's just going, are we going to get Superman Black Adam? And I, I know Warner Brothers has cold feet about Henry Cavill ever returning to Superman. I think they blame him for the failures of those movies, even though it was clearly not his fault and they don't know what they're doing with Superman. If The Rock, The Rock comes to Warner Brothers and says, I want to do Superman movie with Henry Cavill, Superman, are you honestly going to tell me Warner Brothers is going to say no? The Rock is probably one of the <laughs> few people in Hollywood that actually has enough power and sway that could make that type of power move to bring back Henry Cavill. I mean, he made a rampage movie for like <laughs> the guy can get anything made. And also I feel like there's a bigger connection there. Like either Henry's agent like works with the rocks ex-wife or like they're good buddies or there's some form of like actual connection between the two of them that there is, there might actually be some reason for the, what I would like to see, which would be perfect, is we get Shazam 2, then we get uh, Black Adam, then we get our Shazam-Black Adam crossover movie, and then Black Adam 2 is the Black Adam versus Superman in present time. Yeah. See, and what's interesting to me is when I, the more I was listening to, to Brock the more I kind of thought about Black Adam and his roles in all of the, you know, the animated films I've seen and all the stories that I've seen, they were all, all in just like a, well, I'm bored and I don't like Shazam and these good guys. So I guess I'll do this. It, it was never like, I'm an evil dude. Blah, 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 blah. You know, like how, how, how some of the rest of them were. Or he wants Shazam's power. 
Exactly. Like it was, but it was never, it was never about being pure evil. Well, again, because he's an evil dude, he rebels because he starts using his powers to right wrongs. Granted, he goes a little too far, but he's like, no, like you guys gave me this power. I'm going to do what I want with it. And then they try to stop him and he kills him. Anyway. Yeah. So it's. Well, I'm not the biggest rock fan. I think if we're ever going to get Henry Cavill as Superman, our hope has to lie in the rock at this point. Which is I never thought would be something that we said. <laughs> and The Rock's a people pleaser. He, I think he knows how much people love Henry Cavill. So I think he could probably, if he wants to, and if he's able to, I feel like he might try and pull some strings to make it happen. At least this, that's this fan's hope. Yeah, I would agree. Well, before we get into our main discussion... Our sponsor for this week, I'll give him a shout out because I've been really enjoying his work. Our f- uh, friend of the podcast and friend of ours from college, Matt Dahlberg, has his own podcast called Hidden Gems of History, in which case uh, it is a scripted and shorter version. The episodes typically run about 15 minutes, basically taking a look at some of the lesser known people of history, like the woman that struck out Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig back to back. Or John Paul Jones, which as an American Revolution fan, that's my favorite period in history. I really appreciated that episode. Uh, So if you are at all a history buff, make sure you check out Hidden Gems of History. You will very much enjoy it. Our friend Dahlberg puts in some great work. Uh, That's an awesome podcast. If you like this podcast, go support that podcast too. And tell them, tell him, Nate sent you. It's a great podcast. So... We've been stuck in isolation, Josh. Of the major streaming services, which is the one that you'd say you've probably been watching the most so far? Uh, Hulu. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, part of that is, and you'll this will kind of reflect on my list. Part Good, of that is... because I'm short on Hulu stuff. Like, I don't have a ton. Yeah. yeah, but my Netflix list is really short. Good. My Netflix list is long and my Hulu list is short. All right, good, 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 good. And right, um, part of that um, is just because I, I think I have seen so much on Netflix, and I think the stigma in my head is that they still don't have a lot of good content that I go and watch others. I kind of feel that way about Hulu. Also, Which is interesting. maybe it's just me. I so much prefer Disney Plus and Netflix's um, user interface as opposed to Hulu's. I think Hulu has one of the worst layouts ever. Oh, oh, I will not disagree with you on that. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> just like, this is terrible. Like, it's all just randomly grouped together and it makes no sense. Um, yeah. But I was going to go Netflix, Hulu, Shudder, and we'll talk about why we have Shudder on the list here in a little bit, and then we'll end with Disney+. Plus. Sounds good to me. All right. Uh, so Netflix, I have a ton, but I also try to avoid like some of the necessarily the bigger name ones. I'll have some big names, but I try to avoid any of the bigger name ones um, that everyone has already seen, like Stranger Things or Series of Unfortunate Events. Um, but I'll have some of the bigger ones. Uh, probably the biggest name on my list that people will have at least heard of it or... If nothing else, you've heard me talk about how phenomenal it is. If you're looking for a TV show to binge on Netflix, 
check out The Haunting of Hill House. Yes! So, so good. Of course, it is a horror series, but it is probably one of the best done horror series that I probably have ever seen. Guys, so what's going to be interesting is I think we definitely have different tastes on what we watch on Netflix. Cause I also tried to stay away from like the really popular stuff. But then again, I took, took into my, uh, you know, I figured there might be some stuff that some people have not seen on Netflix. So yeah, same. I have some movies that I consider underrated that maybe some other people have already seen or think are bigger deals than I'm making them out to be. Yeah, fair enough. Um, have you seen or have you watched or have you seen Altered Carbon? I have not, but I know it's really good and Anthony Mackie's in it. So um, that is my well, selling point for it. Yes. Uh, well, <laughs> Anthony Mackie is in the second season. Yes. That, that, that is the only thing that threw me at first is that season one and season two are separate stories that intertwine. Okay, okay. Which is really, really interesting. A lot of shows don't do that from a storytelling standpoint. The show is heavily... It's extremely violent. (laughs) And it... Sometimes it has... The sexual themes are a little too heavy for my preference as far as for what a TV show is. But given what the story is about, it's never there without a reason. Interesting. Um, I have another TV series that I'll admit, this was one that people recommended to me for so long that it was one of just like, well, now I'm not going to do it type of thing. Um, And then I remember I was sick one day from work. And so I like binged the entire first two seasons because they're really short and easily digestible episodes. And I loved it. Um, The IT crowd. That's... That's that show that I I keep seeing clips from on Facebook, isn't it? Uh, I believe so. So basically, like, picture a British version of the Big Bang Theory before Big Bang Theory existed and consistently funny. Yes. Okay, yeah. It it is the show I'm thinking about. It is so good. It is ridiculously funny. Like I said, it's really easy to digest. Every episode is like 22 minutes, and they're, like, never connected but they're ridiculously funny. Uh, you got Richard Ayoade as one of the tech geeks who's kind of the Sheldon stand-in, except he's a lot less annoying than Sheldon. Um, he kind of reminds me of another version of Taika Waititi, except a little yeah. more socially awkward. Yeah, yeah. From the clips I can, I've seen, yeah. Yes. Um, the IT crowd is just ridiculously funny. There's, It's that... Very typical dry British humor that I always appreciate. Uh, I know it's not for everybody, but there's also just great, really funny episodes of things just go from bad to worse. Like, oh no. It's kind of like, and Josh, I know you'll appreciate this. It's like a Big Bang Theory, except with a little bit more, it's always sunny in Philadelphia edge to it. Yeah. Of like, they push it the envelope a little bit further than Big Bang does. Well, it it feels like they're not. Big Bang always felt like it was a little scared to go any farther than what was actually needed. 
Big Bang Theory, they reference things kind of just to reference them. Yes. You understand that Green Lantern reference. Laugh, please. Whereas this, like, it's geeky characters, but they don't make references just to make them. Yeah, exa- exactly, exactly. And it's it's ridiculously funny. My only complaint is there's not enough episodes because British TV never lasts long enough. No. Well, because I, I think part of it is they, they don't want... I, I don't think they make stuff unless they feel like it's good. True. You then know, why did they I let Sherlock season four happen? Don't talk about it. Okay. So it's not um, that bad. It's still better than a lot of other TV, but it, it's disappointing. I don't actually have Sherlock on my list. Well, the, I, I didn't put it on my list simply because I just figured everybody had seen it by now. Yep. Same. I have some movies that I feel like people have seen and some on the movies that I feel like people need to have seen case in point. I, Something. Um, I have a David Fincher movie with like your all of your favorite MCU actors that I guarantee you haven't seen and you really should called Zodiac. Oh, I keep meaning to watch that. Dude, it's so good. It is so good. So basically, Zodiac is a movie based on the real events of the Zodiac killer in San Francisco that basically sent in um, different pieces of evidence to various newspapers and they had to like work together to try and stop these murders and the killer was never caught. It's got Jake Gyllenhaal, Robert Downey Jr., Mark Ruffalo. Uh, It's a loaded cast and it's phenomenal. It does not get the credit it deserves. It's probably one of Robert Downey Jr.'s best performances. It's one of Jake... I was about to say it's one of Jake Gyllenhaal's best performances, but... I've never seen a bad Jill Hall performance. <laughs> it's so good. It is two hours and 40 minutes that felt like a two-hour movie. Jeez. It flew, I wanted more of it. And I know you are a big fan of Mindhunters, and you will eat this up. Yes, I, I definitely probably will. Yeah, check out Zodiac. It is criminally underrated. It is so good. Um. While we're on the topic of things that are kind of popular, and I, I don't understand why nobody would have seen it, but if y'all haven't seen The Witcher yet, what are you doing with your time? The Witcher I know or The Witch? The Witcher. Because both are on Netflix, and I know you love the, both. The Witch is on Netflix? Yeah, that's how I watched it. Whoa, okay. <laughs> And Josh Jeez. has now left the podcast for the evening to go rewatch The Witch. <laughs> which, I mean, <laughs> which, um, really? Okay, so let's talk about the show. Let's talk about the show first. Um, the Witcher is fantastic. It's uh, now thanks I will to you, say, I've got to toss a coin to your Witcher in my head. Yes, um, I will say my only thing about the show, the, the show, is. I didn't get really into it until maybe the third episode. I agree. It took me a little bit to get into it. Like I liked it because I'll watch anything with Henry Cavill and I liked it. At times it feels a little too episodic to me. Yes. But I think that's the point. Um, I don't think they wanted, they didn't want it to feel like an ongoing story because I think they have really big things planned for, season two and season one was more of a character building world building season 
And that's that not sense. a knock. That's not a knock on it at all. But just the way that they have you finished it yet? I have. Okay, so the way that they finish it, uh, the, the season finale ends. I th- I think to me says this is really what we were building up to. So yes. now you know you know because you definitely get it's that like feeling. Mandalorian. Exactly, exactly like the Mandalorian. Um, now let's talk about the witch. <laughs> I, I still I like the lighthouse better, but yes, explain to the people what the witch is and why you love it. Um, so the witch is done by the same director as the lighthouse. Um, remind me his name. So the Robert the, Eggers, there you go. Cause I'm terrible with names. Um, it's and I'm a too good with them. Yeah. It's a period piece. Basically. Uh, the director wanted to, he wanted to do a movie about witches, but he didn't want to do Sabrina. Or Hocus so, Pocus, which ironically Hocus doesn't Pocus. take place in like the same area as Hocus Pocus. Yeah, it does. It does. Because that it's that area that was known for it. Uh, but he wanted to show why witches were so scary to these, to the Quaker people. And, to, you know, from all accounts, the historical accuracy in this movie is is it's it it's just terrifying how accurate just down to the culture to the buttons that the, that are on the clothing just like everything is spot on and it's and also because, not jump scare heavy it is very yes you might get turned off if you don't like slow burn because it is very yeah. slow burn but it is the acting is phenomenal anya taylor joy is outstanding as she always is. Yes. The, and the, the mom is fantastic. She's from game of Thrones. At least that's the only thing I've ever seen her in. Um, the kids are actually pretty good too. I yes, mean, they're, they're good, annoying, creepy kids. Yeah. They're annoying at times, but that's because they're supposed to be annoying. Not like, Oh yeah, my gosh, get this character up. yeah, exactly. Um, the guy that plays the son, I really liked as well. Uh, mm. with the short amount of time that he was around. Um, but the, the, to me, this movie relies heavily on the atmosphere that it creates. Yeah, it does have really good, creepy atmosphere. It's like, it's gonna, this is gonna be a weird analogy, but I'll go with it. It's like, if they turned, if there's a creepy, shadowy figure that you see on a foggy day, if you turn that into a movie... Yeah, the, 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 and that the thing I liked is up until the climax of the film, it's never really, really confirmed on whether or not there's a witch or whether or not, you know, that Satan is involved. And to what extent? Exactly. And even then, it's not very clear. Yes, just like the real um, paranoia at the time. Absolutely. So I've got one horror movie and one horror comedy um, to kind of latch off of your idea. And even then, I don't know if I'd call this a horror movie so much as like a sci-fi thriller that I really feel like should get more attention considering the name Alex Garland is kind of like a big name these days. Uh, But he made a movie a few years back with the Tomb Raider herself, Alicia Vikander, called Ex Machina. (gasps) I didn't know this was on Netflix. Yes, it is. Oh, man. 
It's got my boy Oscar Isaacs in it too. Oscar Isaac is wonderful, and he's horrible in this movie. But like mean, the good horrible, like, like you want to punch him in the face. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's, he's a he's a dirtbag. And um, it's Poe and what's his face from Star Wars before he was in Star Wars. Oh, uh, General John Hux. Yeah, it's it's Poe and Hux before they were Poe and Hux. And these guys, like everybody in this film, including like the the actors that don't get names, are just acting their butts off. So, uh, before we rave about this movie, Ex Machina is essentially, um, I was about to say Poe Dameron. I'm just Poe Dameron, Oscar Isaac. You know who he is. He is more. Weird and eccentric than Mark Zuckerberg. He is like the world's wealthiest man um, pioneering the latest artificial intelligence technology. And so he brings in Domhnall Gleeson, General Hux, um, to his um, like isolated cabin to more or less learn about the AI and to test the human AI interactions and more or less just to show him the tech while also secretly using him as a test dummy. And like Luke in The Last Jedi said, this will not end the way you think. Yes. And honestly, it doesn't. The, well, the first time I watched it, I thought I had the movie pegged. Yup. And things happen, but it's, it's a really, like, if you like sci-fi thrillers, you will really like this one because it, like, does its homework and it's, believable sci-fi mm-hmm. and even the the cgi is not too over the top but it's it feels like a practical effect yes um yeah it's very underappreciated if you have not seen ex machina it is very good now there's a movie that i enjoy significantly more because this movie you're meant to enjoy the one of the best horror comedies ever made proudly lives on netflix tucker and dale versus evil yeah, boy. If you haven't heard us talk about this, it's phenomenal. Basically, it is the stereotypical redneck slasher movie, except for the rednecks are the good guys, and the whole movie is one big, huge, colossal misunderstanding of the teenagers <laughs> think the rednecks are murderers, and the rednecks think the teenagers are suicidal. Yep. Like, I'm not going to tell you what happens. And Josh, you better not either. All we need to say is wood chipper. Jeez. Or bees. Not the bees, which unfortunately is not on Netflix. (laughs) Unfortunately, it's not anywhere. (laughs) Tucker and Dale, I will go out so far as to say is they're two of the most likable main characters that I've seen, not just in a horror movie, but in a movie period. You love both of them. Yeah. Oh, I, I would. I would completely agree. Uh, I've got three more movies. You got any more Netflix recommendations, Josh? Before I get into these last three, I actually have one, two, three, four. I think five or six. Alrighty, knock a couple of years out. What do you got? Because a, a lot of it is because we have vastly different tastes sometimes. Um. So you mentioned it earlier. I'm going to talk about Mind Hunters. Because I haven't talked about it really on the show. Hunters would be on your list somewhere. Yeah, um, it's very fascinating for me to take the the whole idea of you know watching Criminal Minds, the TV show, but putting it from the perspective of you know the audience already knows 
how this thought process ends up, but watching the characters build the uh, serial killers, uh, psycho psychological profiling, like build it from the ground up. And so they're constantly learning, constantly doing trial and error. And it's very, very, very fascinating. I don't know how much of it is based in fact, but it's very fascinating to hear the, the, the interviews from the, the serial killers and just then the, the entire second season and how, when they try to do like a practical application of it, it's, it's very intriguing. Um, so if you like Criminal Minds and shows like that, Mindhunter sounds right up your alley. Oh, it is so up your alley. And honestly, the funny part is I didn't even notice I was in the second season. Hmm. Like it, it flows that well. It was very good about not having like a, like a season finale finale, I guess. I don't know. Um, Into the Badlands. Have you ever heard of it? I have heard of it. I have not seen it. Okay. Uh, this is my, <laughs> this is my martial arts movie niche showing. Uh, it's a TV show. Um, to my knowledge, it's got a lot of really great acting on it. Um, oh, uh, geez, the guy that does the Sean Penn movies, that's not Sean. Kumar? No, wait. Uh, I'm thinking of somebody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so, so you know, uh, Sean of the Dead, right? I don't think you know Sean, who Sean Penn is. I don't think so either, but that's okay. Um, do you know Sean of the Dead? Yes. Okay, you the best friend? Nick Frost. Yes, Jesus. He's in it. Dude, how do you get Sean Penn and Nick Frost mixed? Sean Penn is the guy from Milk. So anyway, um, we're moving on. <laughs> I told you I'm terrible with names, bro. Which shameless plug time, I cast Nick Frost as Mole in my live-action Atlantis video that yes. is up on the main YouTube channel. Go check it out if you haven't already. And if you like Atlantis, go check it out even more. If there's any and if there's any doubt that he can ha- handle the physicality of it, uh he's he's like a martial artist in Into the Badlands. So yes, I actually used his picture from Into the Badlands as mole. Yes. Good stuff. Uh, Into the Badlands is basically a post apocalyptic thing, like you know, world collapses. There's uh you know the main living areas and then there's the badlands which are you know vast waste they're not wastelands because there's there's not like it's not vast deserts they're just not people don't live there um but into the badlands is a martial arts show that how do i explain it without ruining stuff i'm not going to just go watch watch a trailer if you don't like it want to watch it fine but it's the martial arts from episode to episode is in incredible um have you ever seen have you seen the king yet no it's in my queue because a yes. lot of my favorite actors are in it i love me yes. pattinson but the selling point for me was seeing joel edgerton was in it so i know i need to etch out yes. some time to see it yes i will say um everything comes to like i've never ever seen a movie well i'm not gonna ever but it's very rare for me to have a movie feel like it wasn't gonna have a conclusion and then that conclusion come out of nowhere Hmm. but also more on board with timothy chalamet as a future robin now yeah oh dude hey oh yeah and robert pattinson is amazing in it so robert pattinson is almost always amazing 
Yes. The, you, t- you people that say that all he, the only things he's ever done is twilight can just shove it up your butts. Um, uh, what else? Uh, I have three, I have three shows, uh, Peaky Blinders, a show about an uh, Irish mafia in like the, I want to say 1500, something like that. The only clip um, I've ever seen of Peaky Blinders is the, uh, when he's talking to the boys and he's just like, don't get drunk and no fighting. Yes. <laughs> it's a very, very funny. And like, uh, Tom Hardy makes an appearance on it, which, shut up. Okay. I, I, it's the only reason I like it. Um, the oh, man, again, I'm terrible with names, but the guy that played Scarecrow yeah, in Batman Begins, he's going to be in a quiet yeah. place too. Yeah. He is, uh, he's the main character. Yes. So it's obviously the acting is, it's pretty good. It's very, very well done. Um, and they do a good job of not giving you all the information to all the plots that are happening. Um, so that there's still some surprises for you. Um, the last two are cooking shows. <laughs> you get it, boy. Yeah, man. That's awesome. Um, uh, the one of them is, I don't know. I've said it at least to you off mic before, uh, the chef show with John Favreau. He basically, yeah, you've mentioned it before. Yes. He basically, uh, him and the guy that trained him for the movie chef, uh, they became best friends. And so they travel, I want to say at least the U S they travel. they definitely travel the U S and go to de- different restaurants, go to different, like they have celebrity cooks, come, uh, celebrities come over and cook with them and stuff like that. Uh, they, it's just a show about exploring new food and new tastes. And, you know, there's a whole episode dedicated to the Skywalker ranch. So there's that. And Dave Filoni's on it. So is yeah. he wearing a cowboy hat? Yes, the entire episode. I mean, if ever Dave Filoni is not wearing a cowboy hat, that's the true troubling sign. It is. But like, it's it's a great show to watch that shows you 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 the uniqueness of food and the like how how weird chefs are. Yes. Um, but like, they they do a good job of explaining things and not doing like. I'm going to dumb this down to you more of like, this is what it is. And this is kind of like, let me show you. So you can, you kind of understand. Um, there's a whole, ep- there's a whole episode with the, uh, it's like a, a Marvel episode, basically, uh, Tom Holland's on it, the Russo brothers, um, and Robert Downey Jr.'s there. Uh, and, uh, and Vigie's on it as well. They all go, uh, end up at a restaurant and, the chef is just trying to in, impress uh, Roy, the, the the cook, and they literally just sit there for two, three hours, and he's just like cooking stuff, and they just have to keep eating. It's hilarious. Um, the last one is called Ugly Delicious. Uh, it's kind of the same thing, but different. Uh, I can never remember the name the name of the guy, which is unfortunate. Because he's a really good dude, but he's a good friend of Roy Cho, the the cook from from Chef uh, the Chef Show. Uh, it's he legitimately goes all over the world to explore what the idea of traditional food is and how as a as white Americans sometimes we demand things that aren't exactly 
traditional and like if you were to say i want like authentic quote-unquote authentic chinese food that's not like the general public of what of what people want for authentic chinese food is not authentic chinese food and stuff like that express yeah exactly like it's it's very very interesting like he they yeah it's it's us it's more of a food history show than it is a cooking show like for the, the the idea of of tacos did come from Mexico, but Mexico got it from Lebanese immigrants that that came to Mexico. It's it's super like it's a very very interesting show, and they talk a lot about the difficulties and the sometimes the racism that that comes with food. So it's it's very like way deep for a, for a food show, but it's it's very interesting. Interesting. So I got three more movies, and then we can move on to Hulu. I have two um, inspirational, and I'll go with two inspirational movies and one emotionally heavy movie. Which one do you want me to go with first, Josh? Emotionally heavy. <laughs> uh, this movie had a lot of hype around it for about a month, and it seemingly has died off. But if you have not seen Marriage Story, please check it out. Oh, my God. It's so good. Marriage Story is a tough watch, but it is a really good watch. <coughs> oh man, I I don't know why I forgot to put that on this list. Oh, Again, my boy Adam Driver acting his butt off, boy. Oh. Adam Driver later in life will have serious back problems from all the movies that he's had to carry. Oh boy, but this isn't one of them because yeah, he's had a great supporting cast around him and people that you just kind of want to punch in the face at times, but it's a very, it's a weird, uh, praise to give it, but it's one of the most human movies I've seen. And like, it's done, it's human in a way that's not patronizing. No one feels like a movie character. They feel like a family that's going through some stuff. And I know what scene, you know what I'm talking about. But when that a very specific scene happens, you feel like you're in the room watching an argument. You're, you feel uncomfortable for them. Yep, you, you keep see, looking at the you, door going, can I leave now? Can, can I leave? I want to leave. <laughs> it, it's that feeling of when you're at your friend's house. And your friend's getting yelled at by their parents, and you gonna you like, can I leave? And except you know both sides of the story, so you know why both of them are in the wrong, and you're like, I, but I don't want to get me get in, get in this at all. But it's not all sad. Like I really applaud the ending of it's yes. the happiest ending that the movie can have. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. While still feeling very human and real. Speaking of human and real, one of my both of my inspiring movies are actually based on real events with some both of them feature really well-known actors that started off in comedy that don't get the credit that they deserve for dramas. One film stars Eddie Murphy and one stars Will Smith. Oh, I'll go with the Eddie Murphy one first. Dolomite is my name was so surprisingly fun. Basically, um, if y'all are familiar at all with the disaster artist, um, which if you haven't seen disaster artist, find a way to see that. That's great. Um, But basically 
Dolomite is my name is warning you ahead of time. Dolomite is my name definitely has some very, very, very strong language. But if you can get past that, it's a story of uh, based on a true story of this struggling entertainer. Oh, I forget what his name is. Uh, but basically, he made a couple albums. He was really big in the black community in the 70s. And he was seeing that people in his circles weren't really being represented in films and action movies and, and everything else or in comedies. And he's just like, there's a wide portion of film fans out there that really don't have anybody to identify with. So I want to make movies starring people that look like me. And every movie studio is telling him no. So he's just going, screw it. I'll make it myself. And he stars in these movies and they're terrible. But he doesn't let people telling him no get in his way. So it's very much disaster artist in that way. Except it's got more of the cultural thing of like, he's got this whole group of people rallying behind him of, yeah, these movies necessarily aren't necessarily the best made, but they're made for us. And we get behind that. Yeah. Okay. And it's really, really cool. Um, it's also the best you've I've seen Eddie Murphy in a long time. He gives his heart and soul into the performance. But speaking of putting well, the heart and soul in his performance, I can't remember if Will Smith got nominated for this movie or not, but he absolutely should have for The Pursuit of Happiness. Oh, dude, I don't know why I forget about this film, but it's incredible. Yeah, this is one that, like, when it came out, everyone talked about it, but I think people kind of sleep on it just because maybe it's been a while. But um, people also bag on Jaden Smith because, one, he's weird. But when he wants to be, he was great as a child actor in Pursuit of Happiness. This movie is raw. It's real. It's based on this true story of... um, Will Smith's character uh, has fallen on hard times. He just suffered a divorce and he's more or less at the end of his rope. He's essentially homeless with his kid in tow and he potentially has a new job on the horizon that may be a big deal for him and it's just the struggles that him and his little boy have together. And since there's this natural chemistry between actual father and son... And it really, really works. Um, if you have not seen Pursuit of Happiness, it is, at times, a very emotionally heavy movie. But like the Shawshank Redemption, you kind of get through that to get the really happy and uplifting ending. Oh, I agree. The That final scene where he's walking through the crowd is, it, it's exactly, it's that's the emotion you want. When when you're ending a movie like that. If a man came into my office with no jacket and no tie and we gave him a job, what would you say about that? He must have had some really nice pants and you're all like just happy crying through it. Yep. All right. You ready to move on to Hulu? I am. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Let me uh, get my list up. Jeez. I have four (laughs) things on Hulu. I don't have that many. I have one, two, three, four, seventeen. That's a great number. <laughs> I approve of that number. Um, I'll let you go first and knock some out because um, okay. you've got some to can, knock out. Yeah, I can do these in bunches. Um, so anime, obviously, 
Hulu's got some anime, and I like anime. And if you do too, uh, and you haven't seen either My Hero Academia, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, or One Punch Man, I don't know what you're doing with your life, bro. Um, you actually, Nathan, you might like My Hero Academia. I had a lot um, of students of mine when I was a uh, digital arts teacher that were big My Hero fans. So I got it like secondhand through them. So I kind of mm. get a gist of what it's about. And I think I probably would. Oh, yeah. It's it's more about what it's less a, less about a superhero show and more about what does it mean to be to stick to your convictions because even like even the villains they give a good amount of de- of actual backstory not to the point where you feel bad for them but you're like oh you're you're not going to stop oh no <laughs> This is not going to end well. Um, it's a very, very good show, and I love the main kid. There's, there's yet to be a character that I don't enjoy. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, there's no character that I don't enjoy. Um, Good to know. Yeah. Uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Um, you have to, unfortunately, make the distinction between Brotherhood and the, and the original series of Full Metal Alchemist. Uh, the only difference is the original series didn't follow them. Uh, it followed the manga up to a point, but then it was making episodes faster than the manga could come out. So it just kind of, yeah. So it just kind of did whatever it wanted. Uh, Full Metal Alchemist actually follows the manga, and it, it's infinitely bre- better. <laughs> so, uh, if you don't know what that it's about, it's about two brothers who, um, practice alchemy in this world. Alchemy is is what has advanced instead of science. Um, and so they, they try to bring their dead mother back and it ends, has disastrous results. And the show is basically all of the backlash of that decision and of them trying to fix what happened. Um, one punch man is another superhero show about a guy who can. He looks like Mr. Clean with a cape. Huh? He looks like Mr. Clean with a cape. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And honestly, on paper, this show should be super boring. <laughs> but it's not. Um, it's... I don't know how to explain it without, like, showing it. It's, it's a super boring show. I'm a little familiar with One Punch Man. Yeah, it, look it up. If you don't want to watch it, it's fine. And I'm the kind of person, I'm not the kind of person that's like, you have to watch anime. Blah, 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 blah. Like, I understand it's not for everyone. Um, lucky lucky for you, um, there are dubbed versions if you're not into watching subtitles. And trust me, I get it. Uh, there's dubbed versions of all three animes, I think, that are available on Hulu. So you don't have to worry about subtitles. I might be wrong on that, but I'm not 100%. Um, but they're they're very good again storytelling i love storytelling and these three shows do it very very well good to know what else what other ones you got okay let's do let's fire off some some um, some movies real quick um a quiet place is on is on hulu so if you Dang. haven't seen it <laughs> i feel like <laughs> your stuff is probably going to overlap with my i had three movies in the show although i feel pretty okay. confident you're not going to have my show Probably, yeah, well, hopefully not. Um, <laughs> um, because I have a quiet place, 
And I don't feel like we need to go into depth because we talk we about it so sing much. any more praise about this movie than we already have. Exactly. Um, the men who stare at goats. <laughs> you lost me. You, you just lost have, me again. Do you, do you, have you ever seen this film? I've seen bits and pieces and I'm like, just no. Bro. Oh, it's so, it's such a weird film. But it's I called it. the men who stare at goats. And guess what they do? They, they stare don't at goats. Use enough Ewan McGregor. Now, if it was the men who stare at Ewan McGregor, I'd probably watch that. Wait, Look, that came out weird. <laughs> Honestly, I find it weirdly entertaining. So, of course I mean, you do. That, yeah. <laughs> um, have you heard or, or seen American Ultra? No, I know of it. But I won't watch it because, well, to put it bluntly, one of my least favorite actors of all time is in it. Which one? Kristen Stewart? No, I think Kristen Stewart has some good performances. No, I I hate Jesse Eisenberg. Dude, so... Except for Zombieland. He's great. He's perfectly cast in Zombieland. Everything else, I really do not like him. It works in this film. Um, Because... So for those that don't know, American Ultra is about sleeper cells, sleeper agents that um, can be activated at any time. And our main character is played by Jesse Eisenberg, who is the dorkiest of dork dorks, um, which is, you know, typical Jesse. Basically, imagine if the, his character from Zombieland was actually a, um, a sleeper agent. So like one day they activate him on accident and he like, kills a mugger and is like completely aware of it. But at the same time, yeah, he, he's like, what is happening as he's like stepping this guy's arm and stuff. It, it's, it's a lot better than I think. I think you'd, you'd like it, Nathan. It's, it, it, I, I it's can't not, get over the Jesse Eisenberg thing. It's the same issue. I, I have know. with Michael Sarah. I, I I love Michael Sarah, but he's, he's, he's got to play, very specific things, and that's his downfall. Yeah, um, Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim. Uh, yeah, no, that. Um, and if you're not aware, Warrior is on Hulu. Eh. I already have the 4K what? version on Vudu, so I'm good. Oh, but yes. Okay. Well, for those people who also, don't have, have the 4K so. version of, of it on, on Vudu, <laughs> it know, is available the 4K on. It's not that much of an upscale. It really isn't. No, because it's a beautifully done movie. But yes, if you haven't seen Warrior, oh, guys, just trust us. <laughs> yes. All right, but hit me with what with what you got, so I can, and I can start naming off TV shows. I've got. Do you want me to do uh, my one show or some of the movies that you haven't talked about yet? Yeah, do some of your movies. Um, a recent one at least to Hulu, I think, a recent addition to Hulu, at least a few months back, that I don't know if it's on your list or not, but I know it's one that you and I both love, uh, Fighting With My Family. Yes. Is on Hulu. If you have not heard of this movie, shame on you. It was criminally underrated last year, and it was one of the better movies that came out last year. Um, Even if you are not a wrestling fan, I assure you, you will probably like this movie. Uh, It's based on a true story about this wrestler named Paige who comes from Norwich, England, which 
Uh, spoiler alert, that's not a place that WWE at the time really hired a lot of people. So it's a long shot, one being a girl that doesn't look like a lot of other girls wrestling at the time. Uh, pasty white skin and not blonde. Uh, she looks different, but she's care. She's like a diehard wrestling fan. It's that good old-fashioned, like, I want to see my dreams come true, and everyone else is telling me I can't see it happen. And it's... Except for the minor nitpicks that I have a rest as a wrestling fan have of just like time logic of like wait that's not the correct logo or that's not how that person actually looks or acts or this that or yeah. the other thing as a movie it really really works it's the movie that made me first notice Florence Pugh as an actress and she had a great rest of the year with Midsommar, uh Little Women and she. Eventually, when Black Widow comes out, I'm sure she'll be great in that. Fighting in the Family is a really underrated, uh, just feel-good sports movie that's kind of a different type of sports movie that I think you'll really, really enjoy. And I think you'll come away with a deeper appreciation for the world of wrestling. And if not, you'll be more aware of what that life actually is more like. Yeah, I agree. And actually, um, the, the actual hard, hard hardships that come with it. Yes, it's not nearly as glamorous as people make it out to be of, yes, you may you might be on TV, but that there's a really long road to get there. Um, my other movie, besides A Quiet Place that I have on here, is Bumblebee, the franchise yes. yes, which I actually just saw for the first time last night. And? It's fantastic. It's basically 2017's version of The Iron Giant. It is, but in, it's what Shia LaBeouf's the, the first Transformers should have been. Yes. Also, I like me some Haley Steinfeld. She's just a very pleasant actress to watch. She just is, has that ni- nice natural charisma that she just seems like a really enjoyable person to be around. I agree. And, I mean, yeah. No, yeah. Honestly, though, like... And what's weird is I think my only issue with the movie is John Cena. <laughs> really? I know a lot of people have issues with him in the movie. I actually don't. Everyone's like, he's so cartoonish over the top and he's such a weird villain. I'm like, first of all, is he really the villain? Because he doesn't actually antagonize. And if anything, he brings up very valid points. They are, in fact, called Decepticons. Yeah. He, it's, yeah. I didn't think he was that cartoony. No, he's not. I, I think for me, it was just like, I've watched him so much. It, it's been my issue with him his entire acting career. Is I've watched him so him much. As John Cena? Yeah, I've watched him so much as, in wrestling for all for years and years that it's it's been hard to separate it. He'll, he'll get there eventually because what's weird is I didn't grow up watching The Rock. Like when I first started watching wrestling, like John Cena was the guy. So it was it, it it was just weird to to see him tra- to start acting. Yeah, my issue is not with him as an actor, even though he still has a long way to go acting wise. It's his hair in every movie. Yeah, it just looks weird. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'll see my last TV head. show for at least a little bit because it. I think it's going to be a little bit of a weird pick, um, but I don't care. I'll give you a hint. You had a cooking show, and this is food-related for mine, but um, I want to hear some more of your Hulu picks before we get into my last TV pick. Okay. Um, all right. Oh, so a movie that neither of us mentioned that I wanted to, to make sure that I mentioned 
Um, only because I watched it recently and I, I still don't know how I feel about it, but like in a good way. Um, Pete, Pete Davidson is in it. It's called Big Time Adolescence. Um, I think I told you to watch it as well. It Basically, he's best friends with his high school ex's little brother. And it's about that relation, that that whole friendship is basically what the movie's about. Um, and it ends on a note that it's a very like certain, like this is definitely how things are going to be now note, but it's also, it's simultaneously sad, but uplifting at the same time. Huh? It's it, it, it's a very very hard movie for me to pin How's down. How's Pete Davidson's performance? I mean, he's Pete Davidson. <laughs> Maybe James Gunn saw something in him when he cast him for Suicide Squad. Do you honestly? He's to me, I, I like he's not. He's not going to be a George Clooney. He's not going to be, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal level. But he knows what his strengths are, and he continuously plays to those i personally find his him very funny so a lot of his comedic timing in this is is spot on and sometimes sometimes he's too spot on and it's a very serious moment and and the moment plays to it as well that this is supposed to be a very serious moment and he's making jokes that are hard to not not to laugh at hmm sounds like but he's yeah, exactly. It's Pete, the the guy that that you know made his name known by <laughs> making jokes about his dad dying in nine eleven. <laughs> Jeez. Um, yeah. What right. else you got? All right, TV shows. I'm gonna name them all because I've got. Jeez, I've got a handful. Um, I'm gonna name them off. Uh, if you feel like you need explanation, yeah, I'll give like a short explanation for each one. How about that? The Great British um, Baking Show. <laughs> I no, actually don't have <laughs> um, Wu-Tang American Saga that's obviously the story about the Wu-Tang Clan coming together from what I and from all accounts is actually pretty accurate um, The Curse of Oak Island it's a treasure hunting show that is actually really intriguing because they actually make progress from season to season um, Ooh, you said treasure hunting I'm there yeah, exactly. Uh, it takes place on an island in Nova Scotia. Oh, um, that's just funny. Yeah. Yes, Nova Scotia. And it's like, it, it's super interesting. And there's actually a new episode that that's on tonight. As we are uh, recording this right now, my dad's recording. And so he and I can watch it later. Um, it's one of that show and Forge in the Fire, which is also on, on this list. Forge in the Fire is one of the shows that uh, my dad and I watch. It's uh, it's a competition, sh- a, a blacksmith <laughs> competition show where they make knives and and uh, the people that get to the last round have to make a weapon from history. That's um, the most that- you thing I've ever heard. <laughs> the only way this could be more Josh is if the winners have to fight each other with those weapons. <laughs> well, and they do tests on them to for like edge retention and 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 uh, how how sharp the blade is, and you know, yeah, it's such a Josh show. It's it's hilarious. Um, uh, Dave just recently started getting put I on. I keep seeing on advertisements for that everywhere. Dave, advertisements, please leave me alone. 
<laughs> um, are you familiar with the rapper Little Dicky? I am not. Okay. To the I, point that I, like, I whenever am? I see these ads, I genuinely don't know if he's actually a rapper or if he's a comedian that plays a rapper on the show. Um, It's best to say yes to both. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's about a Jewish kid who can really like legitimately rap and all the weirdness that comes with being a white guy in a territory that is that white guys are not ex- really wanted in. And that, and I mean that in every negative and pod- positive sense of that. And it, Dave is in general is a very awkward person and you feel that sometimes, but it's, it, I haven't decided if it's endearing or yet or not. <laughs> um, Vikings, I will always recommend this show. Is um, Edge on that one? Yes, he is. And he's actually really good on it. Well, yeah, um, he's been on a couple of things. He's actually a halfway decent actor. Yeah, he is. Um, it's a lot of these shows have quite a few seasons. Um, so this is like a ton of content to, to binge for you. Uh, awesome. The Vikings, the Vikings, I think is season nine. I think is what we're rolling on right now. So not as many um, as supernatural is what you're saying. Yeah, but also the content is better. So. Also, I feel like Supernatural is also on Hulu, and that's one of Josh's highest recommendations. Everyone, um, I will accept people watching up to season four. Other than that, go away. <laughs> So stop watching after the remaining 11 seasons. Yes. <laughs> anyway, um, Preacher is on, is on Hulu. Uh, I don't, do you, have you heard of this show? Yes. Okay. It's uh, based off of a comic book. Um, it is very dark, very funny at times. And the, I, uh, it, it's gripping, dude. I mean, you got to get kind of get through the first episode. Like most shows, the pilot is kind of the the rocky point a little bit, just to it's got to kind of set up the world as quickly quickly as it can. But it also has a lot of secrets and little little things out of the back pocket to pull out, and it's very very entertaining. There's a side character that's a vampire that he's an Irish vampire, and it, he is literally my favorite TV character of all time. So ever wow. it's just the funny, funniest enter- funniest character I've ever met. He like because he's a vampire, and in this kind of iteration of it, you know, v- vampires suck blood in order to survive, right? So he can heal himself by drinking blood. So he like falls out of a plane from you know up in the clouds, and he's That's like normally where planes are. Yeah, you know, as planes do. Um, And he's literally like half of his body is legitimately gone because he's, you know, no parachute. And there's a cow nearby. And so he like calls it over and crawls over to it and heals himself by eating the cow. (laughs) Um, He's Yeah, that's called Texas Roadhouse. Yep, 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 basically. Um, another show, and once you hear who the front runner is, you won't you won't be surprised. Uh, is uh, Taboo with um, Tom Hardy? Yeah. <laughs> 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 but it's a very good show. Okay, it's only one season for now. <laughs> it's probably gonna stay at one season. 
It is, unfortunately. And most of that's just because uh, I think something to do with the writers. I'm not, I don't remember. Interesting. But, um, yeah, yeah, it's, but it's a very, very good and it's very weird. Uh, and it's, it's Tom, it's the Tom Hardy I like, which is, he's not like, he's acting very, very well. But he's not. He hasn't been put in this. Oh, I'm a pretty boy role, or the oh, hey, I'm jacked. I can do all this awesome stuff role. It's basically, it's basically his character from Venom. But he, you know, what he's a billionaire, and he has he's has a very mysterious past, and all this other stuff. It's it's very interesting. But and the last one I think is well the last. Oh, I have two shows left. Oh no. Okay. <laughs> do you want to, you want to hit, hit, hit me with your show? Yeah. My last, my only show recommendation from Hulu is probably going to surprise you just because, and I can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth. It's, and I've said this to Heather, it is genuinely the only good thing that's ever come out of Buzzfeed. Oh, oh, is they it? Have, um, they have a show called worth it. Yes. Yes. Is this one of your shows? No, but I I, I love watching. I, I love I, ca- I catch an episode every now and then. But I didn't. So I the weird thing with Worth it is it's both on Hulu and YouTube, which is just super weird to me. Yes. <laughs> um, so basically, if you're not familiar with it, it's any one of those like type of food shows that you could see on Food Network or anything. I'm actually kind of surprised Food Network hasn't picked it up because it seems like the perfect show for them. Uh, basically, these two guys who I find the two of them really enjoyable. They're very entertaining guys. They'll pick up specific food like uh, cheesecake or pizza or tacos or chicken wings, and they will go to three different locations that sell that food at three different price points. So you'll have like a pizza place that sells pizza for a dollar per slice. And then you'll go to a place that sells it for a bit more expensive, like maybe 15 or 20 bucks a slice. And then they'll go to some really expensive, lavish place that'll have like pizza with shavings of actual gold on top. That's like a thousand dollars. And then at the end, they'll tell you was each one of them worth it, which is the most worth it. And it's actually really, really entertaining of like, which is, which is better the $156 hot dog or the dollar hot dog on the street corner from this really reputable source. Yes. I think um, from what I remember, though, it didn't start out as just food. Because I, I distinctly remember seeing like a tattoo episode. Yes. I know there's other ones. I mainly watched the food ones. Fair enough. Yes, I know that they do other stuff with it. Okay, okay, okay. And I think it's cool, different cool. hosts for the different topics. I, I think that's why I stick with the food ones because I enjoy the food hosts. Fair enough. I don't blame you for that. But you also, know, I'm like surprised. Random food shows like diners, drive-ins, and dives, that type of those type of food stuff. Like I always liked watching yeah. Unwrapped on Food Network. Yes. So um, this, or, this uh, is kind of eats. in that same vein. So if you like general cooking shows and like to poke fun at the more expensive stuff, I think you would really enjoy Worth It. No, I, I agree. Um, you know what I'm surprised at though. Um, is that what we do in the shadows is not on your list. It's because I have not really deep dived into the show itself yet. I've still traditionalist with the movie. I've seen a part of the first episode and I really enjoyed it. I just haven't gotten around to watching more episodes. And I should because I know season two is coming soon. 
Yeah, I, I, I've watched the first couple episodes. I need to watch more, but I felt and like you it still was need worth to see it. the movie. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I felt like it was worth it to put it on this list. Um, I appreciate I that be, much. <laughs> I would be a miss, though. The last thing on my list on Hulu, and once I say it, you're not going to be surprised. Drake and Josh. And, no, the last thing on my list for Hulu that I would be amiss to say without a discussion about things on Hulu. Netflix, is uh, WWE Raw recap episodes. Lord, no, those are terrible. They're so bad. They actually make Raw worse. I don't know how they do it. Um, but Letterkenny. Of course it is. <laughs> Letterkenny is a show about a small town in, in uh, Saskatchewan. And, uh, you know. No, it's Alberta. It's a small town in, in Alberta. To be fair. To be fair. That, that's, that's it, guys. That's just it. Just to be fair. It's, dude, it's a great show. And if you're okay with like really crass humor, it, what's really funny is my mom is, my mom's from Canada, right? And she's hey. a person who doesn't curse a lot and isn't really into a lot of crass humor. But she's caught a few episodes and she's like, and even she's like, that is the most, that's the most Canadian show I've ever seen. So <laughs> it's authentic, guys. <laughs> Canada. Yep. They don't shoot it on film reels, they shoot it on maple syrup. <laughs> there's not steady cams, they just ride elk. Dude, the there's an episode where they do nothing but basically poke fun at Mennonites. <laughs> and it's 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 seriously great. Alrighty then. You ready to move on? Do you have any shutter recommendations? Wow, I'm hurt. I didn't know because you are still new to the service. So I know, for those but that don't know. Shudder is essentially kind of like your one-stop shop for all things horror as a streaming service. And I know that's a niche genre, but I kind of want to put it on there because I feel like in terms of streaming services, it's often overlooked because they actually have a really great library. And better yet, Shudder actually has a phenomenal deal going on right now that you can actually get a full month of Shudder for free to get you through this quarantine if you just use the promo code shut in. So that probably could have been our um, sponsor for today. Sponsor. But if you put in shut in as your promo code, you get 30 days of shutter for free. And believe me, even if you're not a horror fan, there's a lot of stuff of value that I think you could still enjoy on the service. Yes. Um, I'm I'm a little hurt that you that you didn't think I looked at Shutter. There's just so it's the interface isn't as bad as Hulu. I'll say that, but no. I also it take it's taking me a little bit to get used to the interface. So I didn't know how much time yeah. you had spent with Shutter. Well, I did. I basically what I did was did I you went just look through, through my wish list. No, I went through. I hit the pause button and. I went through and picked some stuff that I knew were good that are on Shutter. Mm. Stuff that I had already seen. Stuff like the original Halloween. Halloween 4, Halloween 1, 4, and 5 for some reason are on Shutter. <laughs> Which super is weird. So two good and one weird. atrocious. Yes. And then 
um, um, I know behind the mask is on there. I, I know you and I had a little quick discussion about that. That's one of my, one of my favorite film, uh, horror movies. Really? Yeah. I enjoy it quite a bit. I think it does something that's a little unique that not a lot of other movies have done. It was good. I think I had my expectations in the wrong spot thinking it would be more of a comedy than it actually was. Yes. But I mean, once I got is, past that, I think I enjoyed it more. Yeah. It, it is a kind of a, a comedy in a sense that... But not like a Tucker and Dale type comedy. It's yeah. more of just like a self-aware type. Yeah, it's it's a comedy to me because it's obvious to the audience what the killer's doing. But the it is not obvious at all to the main to the uh to the news team. Yes. Um what I I think one of my favorite things about Shudder as a service is it makes me really appreciate and like homemade stuff more. Shudder has a lot of low budget stuff, which some people that's not for everybody. And I get that. But it makes me appreciate the creativity and the work that some people put in. Uh, case in point, there's a great trilogy of movies on Shudder actually called the Hell House Trilogy with Hell, Hell's, Hell House LLC, uh, Hell House, the Abaddon Hotel, and then Hell House 3, The Lake of Fire. All of them revolving around this um, more or less haunted hotel that may or may not uh, have the gateway to hell in its basement. And the first one, I normally hate found footage, but the way that they do the first one actually is creepy and unsettling, and you feel like you're there, which makes it that much more unsettling. And kind of like The Witch, it's very ambiguous for the most part about if this place is actually haunted or if the people are just being paranoid. Um, But you can tell it's not made with a big budget, but the care and love and dedication that was put in the movie, I really appreciated. And that's some, one of my biggest takeaways with Shudder as a service of just like being willing to give lower budget stuff a chance and finding that, yeah, some of them may not have the polish that big budget movies may have, but they may still be just as quality as the higher budget stuff that you'll see um, in theaters while they still have some of that more polished stuff on the service as well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, unless you want something that's, I don't know, a little in between all that polish and uh, all the homemade stuff, like, I don't know, a handful of Rob Zombie films. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be hard-pressed for me to ever recommend a Rob Zombie movie. <laughs> Bro. But don't get I me don't wrong. Be- I know I'm going to get around to watching you. 31 and um, The Devil's Rejects at some point. Yeah, well, the, he they went ahead and they so Devil Devil's Rejects is on there. Thirty one is on there, and then the sequel for Devil's Rejects, uh, Three from Hell, is on there as well as the House of uh, of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah, I've already seen House of a Thousand Corpses for an HHN house last year. Um, yeah, which, um, rest in peace, Captain Spaulding. He was the best thing about that movie. Oh, absolutely. It's it, here's the thing. If horror is a niche genre, Rob Zombie films, Rob Zombie horror films are a niche part of a niche genre. (laughs) They are very specific in what they do and their look, their 
they're as Rob Zombie as it comes, man. For better or for worse. Mm-hmm. So, uh, there's a movie that I recommended to you. I don't know if you've checked it out yet, but it's arguably has one of the dumbest names um, of any horror comedy I've ever seen. And it may not have the, like, the biggest names. Honestly, there's not a single actor in this movie that I had ever seen before in anything. But I was very pleasantly surprised by a film that should, in all intents and purposes, be the most paint-by-numbers movie ever because its plot has been overdone. But I really enjoyed a movie called Dead Detectives on Shudder. You've uh, you've recommended this to me. Yes, I have. So basically, Dead Detectives is these reality TV show hosts, kind of like Ghost Hunters International, that go around and do their show. And of course, it's a hundred percent fake. But the people that they're quote unquote saving don't realize that it's fake and that they're more or less being scammed. And so they get called in to exercise a haunted house in Mexico, supposedly like the most haunted house in Mexico. Um, except this house actually is haunted and they get way in over their heads. But it's, it feels a lot like for those that are familiar with it, it feels a lot like one of the Halloween or horror themed episodes of psych. It very much felt like that type of humor and character interactions while also kind of having that look like it's definitely not the highest budgeted movie. And it feels kind of like a pilot for a TV series that may never actually come, but it was still really entertaining. And there's something that happens about halfway through the movie that changes up the humor dynamic without dipping into spoilers that was like, Oh, they're taking a different route for this. And I kind of like it. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, I've been I've been trying to the the good and bad thing about this this situation we're in is is that I have so much time to watch stuff. It's also means that I'm trying to catch up on things, and so like adding more stuff to the pile is like, oh yeah, I'll get to it. I, I hope. Yeah, same. <laughs> um, one that I've been meaning to catch up on. Um, so far, there's only one season of it, but I've liked the episodes that I've seen so far. It is a remake of a classic show that I believe is an exclusive to Shudder, but features a lot of big-name actors, not just from the horror genre, but big-name actors in general. Creep Show. So, Creep Show is basically a remake or reboot of that Creep Show TV series that used to be on in the 80s. And it's kind of like if you wanted a more adult and a little more spooky and intense version of Goosebumps. Oh, okay. Of their, like, two mini-episodes that are about 15 minutes long that comprise an episode. So you got two short stories within one half-hour episode. And if one's not doing it for you, you're going to have another one really quickly after that. So it's kind of an anthology series that's kind of tied together in a feeling of coming out of a comic book. Like there'll be like these cool comic book transitions that are all stories within this creep show universe, I guess. Yeah. Fair enough. Kind of like a twilight zone type world. 
Nice. Well, there is something on that I actually I haven't been able to find on. It's not on Netflix anymore, but I found it on Shutter, which is where my two worlds of martial arts and horror uh, mix. Uh, and it's a movie with my boy Donnie Yen called uh, The Kung Fu Killer, which is a movie about a serial killer who kills with Kung Fu. And Donnie Yen is the cop and has to um, use Dang his- it. He's the He's the cop? I really hoped he was the kung fu killer. <laughs> but he, he uses his detective kung fu to catch the kung fu serial killer. Please tell me. <laughs> like, this would immediately make me stop whatever I'm doing and immediately watch the movie if he's, like, wearing sunglasses, sees a dead body that's been killed by this killer, and, like, does a CSI and, like, slowly stands up, <laughs> takes off his sunglasses and goes, I guess you could say everyone was... Kung Fu fighting. <laughs> I would... I I wish it was that kind of movie. <laughs> but it's not. With a name like Kung Fu Killer, how is it not, though? <laughs> I know, right? You'd think. <laughs> but it's a Donnie Yen movie, and Donnie Yen movies always take themselves more seriously. <laughs> um, I guess... <laughs> in the scope of, of kung fu movies yeah <laughs> they're very serious okay what else you got besides kung fu killer <laughs> i got one more and it's a tv show that i wasn't sure i was going to be able to find anywhere I, I have a couple shows like that but channel zero is one that i saw their opening season uh a few years ago and it's incredible it's basically Every season is different, like American Horror Story. Like Altered Carbon? or And Altered Car- Carbon, but none of the characters are the same. And nothing's connected from story to story. Yeah, so yeah. It, I believe you recommended it to me before. Yeah, and it, I mean, each season has its own name. It, that's why you, like, you can kind of say that it's like American Horror Story, because every single one has its own, I guess, theme. Uh, but like the first season is is called is the one that's called Ch- Channel Zero because it it deals with a channel that is killing kids. Mm. Um, so it's, but every from my understanding, every season of it is different after that. Cool. Well. Something else I like about Shudder is they've got a lot of, like, making of and behind-the-scenes stuff. So, like, if you're at all interested about filmmaking or whatever else, they'll have plenty of stuff for you there, too. Case in point, they have this really great series that I think used to be on Netflix. I'm not sure. Um, With, admittedly, a person that I'm not typically a big fan of, but he's a really engaging host that's clearly knowledgeable about the topic. Uh, There's a series called History of Horror with Eli Roth. Okay. So basically, each week, he will pick a specific topic like slashers, and then he'll interview various people that are familiar with the genre, like Wes Craven or Jamie Lee Curtis or John Carpenter, and just kind of get their perspective, kind of as someone that's in the industry, kind of lead people throughout different aspects of the horror genre. And I was like, normally, I hate your movies, but this is really cool and interesting and I like any of those like type of historical series 
Okay. That's and cool. last but not least for Shudder for me is if you need something to take up a lot of your time, I have something that is just one, um, I, I would call it a movie, but it's about making of that is 400 minutes long if you need content to ingest. Okay. It is called Crystal Lake Memories, and it is the making of all the Friday the 13th movies. Huh, okay, So cool. it's like binging the movies, except you're binging the making of the movies. That's why it's so long. So instead of watching a season of something, you're watching basically the 30-plus year franchise of the Friday the 13th. And even as someone like you that's not a fan of the series, I think you'd enjoy it because, frankly, they don't pull any punches about the quality of the movies themselves. Fair enough. And they, they always interview the cast and they're just like, Oh, yeah, we knew exactly what we signed up for. We just wanted to have fun with it. And this is why we did the stupid stuff that we did. That's fair. Or, like, they'll always talk about, like, how they... Every single movie that's ever been made in Friday the 13th, they always, like, went to war with the Motion Picture Society that tried to censor them for different things and what they originally planned or what actually ended up in the movie. Uh, There's just a lot of interesting facets that they talk about in it. Huh. Okay. I might have to go look at it then. Yeah, it's it's a cool thing to have in the background of they they really did a good job of encapsulating every detail to it uh, to the point of like, okay, so when's Halloween's turn? Now that <laughs> Halloween will have more installments in the franchise somehow. Yeah. It's weird to me that Halloween will reach 13 films in its franchise before Friday the 13th does. <laughs> Stop. Because at this point, three years ago, Halloween had only 10 movies, and Friday the 13th had 12. So I figured one would get there sooner. Yeah, maybe eventually. All righty. Let's bring this thing home with what you should watch on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, Besides boy. The Mandalorian. You can stop rewatching The Mandalorian. There's other good things besides The Mandalorian. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll take that off my list then. <laughs> Case in point, the thing that debuted the same time as The Mandalorian, but everyone was too busy talking about The Mandalorian that not enough people talked about the brilliance of the Imagineering story. Ooh, yeah. Have you seen any of the Imagineering story, Josh? I haven't. I keep seeing it on there, but it is I. It's so good. So, for those not really up to date with theme park lingo. Imagineers are basically anybody that works in the creative development for the Disney parks. It doesn't matter which Disney park. uh, Anybody in the creative team. So basically, the Imagineering story is the creation and development of the entire Disney parks from Disneyland up until Rise of Resistance opening a few months ago. Um, Like all the big transitions, um, any of the big executive changes, they talk about the Eisner years and then the fall of Eisner and then Chapek, not Chapek, um, Iger coming in to replace him and how the dynamic changed there, um, how the company shifted gears when Walt died. Um, basically, if you are a Disney fan at all, or at least curious in any capacity about theme parks or managerial stuff, it's a very fascinating behind-the-scenes look. Um, it immediately engages you. Um, the really cool thing about this is it was done uh, by 
I believe it's iWorks Productions, which is run by, I think her name is Kathy iWorks, who is the daughter of Ub iWorks, who was Walt Disney's best friend, who actually created Mickey Mouse. Okay. Yeah, Ub actually created Mickey, but we don't talk about that. <laughs> because well, why it's not, not like Walt took the idea and kicked out Ub or anything. <laughs> what? No. That yes, didn't if, happen. If you like Ken Burns style documentaries and wish they'd made one about the Disney theme parks, then that's basically what the Imagineering story is. Wow. Yeah, it's really good. It's really well made. I actually really want them to do one about the life of Walt Disney next. Yeah, that'd be cool. Because um, honestly, they don't pull punches either. Like, yes, this is on a Disney platform, but they will openly acknowledge, and here's where Disney made the big mistakes. And I'm like, oh, okay, we're going here. Yeah. All right, well, that's fun. Yeah, they don't sugarcoat anything. They're like, here's where Eisner screwed up. And he'll, and then they'll actually interview Michael Eisner, and basically he'll be like, yes, here's... Here's the missteps that we made during these years and what went wrong. And it's it was refreshing that Disney didn't really hide mistakes that they've made. Hmm. That doesn't happen often. Not as much as another documentary that I'll talk about later, but uh, give me some more of your picks for Disney+. Plus. I have um, Gordon Ramsay Uncharted. I love Gordon Ramsay Uncharted. It's so good. Even if it's the wrong like, Uncharted. Yes. But watching one of the best, if not most renowned chefs on the planet be getting used frustrated with his own cooking is the best thing. So basically the premise of the show is Gordon Ramsay travels to different areas of the world and learns how they cook. Right? So that seems on the surface very like oh okay cool so what's different like he's going when it, when we say this he's going to places like like deep south america in the like, middle of nowhere middle podunk nowhere learning how to cook on like stone like heated stones and like like it, not in saying it's primitive but like literally going as traditional as like authentic as you can get with this food like he goes out and and catches like it he gets all the ingredients and like he spends like a week in these countries and then learns how to cook their food and still ends up losing yeah every time it's hilarious um so both the imagining story and i feel like gordon ramsay's uncharted was a disney plus like exclusive like at launch title um Another at-launch title that, unfortunately, is a lot shorter than both Gordon Ramsay's Uncharted and The Imagineering Story, as all these are, like, only three or four minutes long, but absolutely check these out because you will die laughing, is Forky Asks a Question. <laughs> I uh, So, I was actually going to say this. Uh, they, literally, it's they're not all there, but... All of the available animated shorts that are on Disney Plus. What's are, the one with the float? Did you see float? I did not. The one they're what? missing that I really want to see is paper. Paper Man? 
Paper Man. Oh, Paper Man's great. But yeah, but Forky like, asks a question is basically Forky from Toy Story 4, the breakout character, asking different characters from Toy Story different questions. So, like, he'll ask Mr. Potato Head, what is money? He'll ask a couple... My favorite one, and you just got to trust me and experience it for yourself, all the surprises that are in it. Um, they do an episode called What is Love? And let's just say they get some famous cameos. Oh, jeez. Like, and they do some puns on the names of the people That's cameoing. Awesome. Like, it's going to go That's over the kids' great. heads, but the adults and the grandparents are just going to go, this is wonderful. <laughs> like, if nothing else, see Forky's What is Love? Because, oh, I was introduced to that one, and I died laughing. Oof. Well, you know what is on Netflix? I'm uh, sorry, not Netflix. Oh, geez. What's on Disney Plus that we have not been able to watch in its entirety for a very long time? Ultimate Spider-Man! I mean, oh, man! Yeah, I was going to say that one, too, later, but I was going to say Gargoyles. Oh, yeah. Wow, okay, screw you. <laughs> I didn't really watch Gargoyles. I was too busy with Batman the Animated Series. Fair enough. So let's talk about... So Gargoyles is about gargoyles that come to life and really? it's like a super yeah no way um but anyway let's talk about ultimate spider-man <laughs> with the greatest spider-man voice actor ever and i'm i will die on that hill that drake bell is the best spider-man voice well and it kind of came out of nowhere because like if you would have told me drake bell is the voice of spider-man for the rest of my life i would have laughed at you and told you you're stupid but, but... Also, i wasn't expecting ultimate spider-man to be as good as it was because every couple of years the animated version of spider-man like the film version of spider-man just seems to get rebooted but unlike the film versions where there's reasons why it gets rebooted i've never understood why the animated versions get rebooted as much as they do uh, there's yeah. that version that you love with the Neil Patrick Harris. There's the 90s version. There's Ultimate Spider-Man, Spider-Man and his amazing friends, Spectacular Spider-Man, whatever's going on currently that's trash. Um, so I hadn't seen Spider-Man in a couple of years just because there'd been a whole slew of incarnations that I was just like, eh, this isn't grabbing me. And then I saw an episode or two of Ultimate Spider-Man. It's like, this is kind of really awesome. It is. It's it's the it's the happy medium that you and I have always wanted of the good things from the Tobey Maguire series, the Tom Holland movies, and the good things from the uh, Andrew Garfield's performances. There was good as things well. in the Andrew Garfield ones. Okay, you know what? His his Spider Man is pretty spot on. So you should be at quiet. some point we're gonna do a five good things on Amazing Spider Man two. <laughs> you hate me, don't you? You really hate me. <laughs> Um, but not no, as much like, as our to tee it up Josh is really gonna hate me because our next five good things is just we've I'll give you a hint we've already done it before on the YouTube channel but we're gonna reapproach it now and oh, I'm gonna fight you boy I'm gonna fight you over these it's gonna happen <laughs> oh boy let's just say Shyamalan blew the air right out of this franchise Get out of here. Um, but Ultimate Spider-Man combines really everything that I, at least I was really wanting from a Spider-Man TV show. And it's it's entertaining. It's smart. Or funny. It's very funny. It doesn't, story-wise, it doesn't, you know, blow 
it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't throw out throw the big stuff out right away. But also, it, it expands builds. the world drastically. Of yes, literally nothing is off limits. I mean, it was the first time they had really done a a uh, immediate like an actual TV or otherwise version of the Spider Verse, wasn't it? More or less. Um, yeah, I've always appreciated. It. It's got gorgeous animation. I really like that a lot. Mm. Um, oh, it just Nick Fury is Fury is spot on. Yeah, <laughs> and they even got Coulson back to voice himself. They did. It's it's one of my, if not my favorite version of Spider Man. However, however, no, oh, no. It is not my favorite superhero show on Disney Plus. Oh yeah. My favorite is one that I cry from high heaven that more people need to see, especially if you like the movie. Because while we may never have gotten a movie, a sequel to this movie, it does live on in a very worthy follow-up TV series in Big Hero Six. Yes. Big Wait, Hero Six the animated show? series is so good. Really? It is so good. If you like the movie, even kind of, you will love the series. Huh. I actually didn't know they made a TV show. Yes. Uh, season two is actually coming to Disney Plus soon. Uh, not all the voice actors came back, but the key ones did. And it it just continues the story, basically, of um, Hiro trying to adjust to San Francisco Tech, I think is the name of the college. Um, while continuing to do heroics, it does kind of devolve into just your typical superhero animated series, but all the characters get more fleshed out. Their interactions continue to grow. It really just is a fun continuation of um, the movie, kind of with the same animation style as that old Clone Wars slash Samurai Jack style. Oh, yeah. Of a bit cartoonish but it still ends up working. And yeah, if you like Big Hero 6, definitely check out the animated show. It's vastly underappreciated if you have not watched it. I gave it a chance thinking, okay, I, I just need to scratch my Big Hero 6 itch, and I was very pleasantly surprised. I think there's like 20 episodes in the first season, so there's plenty of content to watch. It is, it's really good. Well, that's good, dude. I, I honestly didn't know they made a show. Yeah, look it up. It's so good. Also, really, really catchy opening theme song. Because <laughs> that's the most important things in kids' programming. I mean, theme songs are... They're things that are lacking these days. Ultimate Spider-Man had a good one, too. It had a theme? I mean, I think it was short. <laughs> All right, I got three movies and two documentaries. What you got? <laughs> um, we might have to let Josh just name off some movies that he's excited he gets to watch. <laughs> oh? I have at least uh, one movie I mean, that we're going to talk about that you're going to laugh and roll your eyes of, really, you're putting this on here? And no, it's not Treasure Planet because I feel like if you have Disney+, Plus, you've already seen Treasure Planet. Yes. Um... Do you remember The Incredible Journey? I think I've seen, like, the cover of it enough times. That's different it's from the, Homeward Bound, right? 
Yes, but it's basically the same thing. <laughs> um, have you ever heard of Flight of the Navigator? Yes, that is on uh, that's on Disney Plus, and I've I've been itching to watch that again. Also, seen that uh, the Rocketeer. While it wasn't on my list yes. here, if you have not seen Rocketeer, it is by the same guy that did the first Captain America movie, and boy, does it show. Because <laughs> this is basically yes, just Captain America minus the shield and give him a jetpack instead. Yep. <laughs> but in a good um, way. It's got that like old school cheesy, but it still yeah. really works. Um, there is, I mean, there's obviously the movies like I grew up with, like Freaky Friday and 10 Things I Hate About You, which for um, some reason has a 4K transfer that baffles me. Yeah. Like, I don't know how you can make that movie for i don't know i mean yeah it's weird to me that there's a 4k version of 10 things i hate about you on disney plus but avatar is only in hd (laughs) i i don't have an answer like i don't want a 4k version of avatar but i feel like of all movies that's probably one that james cameron would want to have a 4k version of very true you know what movie doesn't need 4k because the animation's beautiful enough Treasure Planet. Oh, uh, I was going to say The Rescuers Down Under. Oh, dude. That eagle. That eagle. The this, this scene alone where he's flying on the eagle for the first time. Holy Rescuers cow. Rescuers Down Under that... is one of the most criminally underrated Disney movies. And it's Disney's own fault it failed. They shot themselves in the foot. Like, yeah. The first one is okay, but then Down Under... Like far exceeds the original. Down Under is phenomenal. It's like the animation is incredible. The script and the like the story itself is ten times better. It's it's such a good film and it's so beautiful. Yes. So, um, I got two kind of goofy ones that I remember um, that I've revisited that are still quite enjoyable. The first is the live action 101 Dalmatians with Glenn Oh, Close. dude. Oh. That's so fun. Plus, you have Dr. House and Arthur Weasley as bumbling sidekicks. Yes. And they're just having the times of their lives. That We forget the sequel happened. I don't even think the sequel's on Disney Plus where Cruella no, I don't think they wanna, turned into they a don't cupcake. Wanna acknowledge. But that original one Is like the right amount of dark Because it actually got a little creepy and intense For a kids movie Yeah It was still it For the most part still holds up I still really enjoy the live action 101 Dalmatians Um, Now my next one Everyone at home and Josh is going to go Alright he's officially lost it But I don't care Because rewatch it and there's still a lot of Funny things to be gleaned out of the country bears. I hate you so much. How did I know this was going to be on your list? How did I know? Bears. I hate you so much. Country bears crossover. Make it happen. Nicholas Cage is in one of those bear costumes. No, no stop. (laughs) Or on the reverse side, replace Nicholas Cage and Wicker Man with Haley Joel Osment. Stop, stop. Just wait. Okay. In all honesty, if you have not watched Country Bears in a while, (laughs) go back and watch. And there's actually 
some parts that will make you laugh out loud, but it's really more just funny of seeing them integrate bears with surprisingly actually good bear suits. Like those yeah. suits actually hold up pretty well. Also, for some reason, Christopher Walken giving 110% as the bad guy. <laughs> um, and they integrate bears and humans to the point of there will just be bears randomly in the background that will never be acknowledged in the movie of, yes, we live in a society where humans and bears coexist, and that's a bear car wash over there. Stop. I don't want to think about that scene. Is it dumb? Yes. But is it at least entertaining? Yes. I mean, like, at least you admit it. Oh, it's totally dumb. But at the same time, I think it knows it's dumb. But at the same time, there's actually some really funny writing. It's a little bit of give and take. I mean, I guess I could say the same about the men who stare at goats, so. Yes. Um, now, I will get some of my credibility back. Um, this is a live-action sports movie that I think is one of Disney's more underappreciated sports films because this was between roles for this actor and before he, quote-unquote, went crazy and people discredited him. And it goes under the radar of Shia LaBeouf's career. But the greatest game ever played is really good. Yes, I almost put it on my list. For those that don't know, greatest game ever played is basically Shia LaBeouf plays this like 17-year-old that uh, basically all he wants is to become a professional golfer. And so he enters this big tournament and does really, really well, and ends up being in the final round, and more or less a triple threat match, and that is the greatest game ever played. And it's really good. It's pretty paint-by-the-numbers, but it's really good. It's basically, um, it's if it's like if Caddyshack was a serious movie. Also, I didn't realize this until I actually put on the movie to watch it, but did you guys know that the greatest game ever played was directed by Bill Paxton. Why does that sound familiar? The actor Bill Paxton from like Twister and Spy Kids 3D or uh, Aliens. What? Yeah, Bill Paxton what? actually directed um, Greatest Game Ever Played. What? Let me make sure. It. Yeah, I believe it's him. He only ever directed like a few things, but I believe that was one of them. I mean, double check. Crazy. But yeah, I believe it was him. That's absolutely nuts, dude. Let me just verify. I remember seeing. That's weird. If it is him, when I saw it, of uh, it was a name that. It's like that's not normally a name. I'm not used to being a director. Yep, Bill Paxton. That's nuts, dude. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. But hmm. actually delivered. It was a really solid and enjoyable sports film. Yeah. Huh. Well, since we're talking about sports films, I mean, I'm just excited to be have the ability to watch stuff like The Rookie and Glory Road, Miracle, uh, Remember the Titans, Invincible, like... 
I it's been a while since I've had access to these films, so it's it's really exciting to be able to relive the magic that is those you know that is those movies. Especially the rookie. I love the rookie. Jeez, dude. The nucleus. Dennis is just killing it, bro. Yep. It's it's just good. It's it's so good. It just warms your heart. It's one of the better baseball movies. And there's a lot of good baseball movies already to pick from. Uh, how many more you got? Because yep. I got two documentaries, oddly enough. The, the, that, that's about all I had on my list. I mean, I, I'll, I, I can't reiterate enough. Uh, go watch all of the animated shorts that they have on there because there's a lot of really good ones. Um, but yeah, man, like that's about all I got as far as like stuff that I don't, I think that maybe people aren't already aware of. I got two that I don't think people are aware of. Um, and I'll save my one. If I like people give me one suggestion of what should I watch in Disney plus, I'll save that one for last. Cause it's the most underrated thing I've ever seen Disney ever do. Um, but before I get to that, I have one called Empire of Dreams, which is a yes. of documentary about the original Star Wars trilogy. Oh, it's so good. It With like footage that as a Star Wars fan who grew up with like the special edition VHSs, I was used to like the behind the scenes footage that they'd show before the actual movie. So I'm used to seeing a lot of behind the scenes footage. There's a lot of stuff in Empire of Dreams that I had never seen before. Yeah, same. Of like concept art or behind the scenes videos or interviews that is just really, really well done. If you're a Star well, Wars fan, like, this so- is an absolute must watch. Yes. Like some of the script read script reads that I had never seen before. Um some of the costuming was was cool too. Yeah, the it just really is a deep dive into that original trilogy. It's a couple years old now, but that doesn't matter. It's just really showing what made that original trilogy so special and just the difficulties to say the least that it actually was making it. Yeah. But I will say Empire of Dreams is not the best documentary on Disney Plus. And I'm glad that the number one suggestion that I always have for people on Disney Plus is finally on Disney Plus because up until this point, it was incredibly hard to find to the point that I only ever found it once at a library and I rented it and I loved it. If you are a child of Disney, of the Disney Renaissance in particular, of like that mid to late 90s, you must watch their phenomenal documentary called Waking Sleeping Beauty. I don't know if I've heard of this. Oh my gosh. Not nearly enough people have. So, um, you will love this, Josh. So, basically, Waking Sleeping Beauty is a behind-the-scenes documentary about the Disney Renaissance from the artists that were working at Disney at the time. But the thing is, the guy that made this documentary, it is all B-roll and footage from the office of, like, there's no sit-down talking head shots at all in this whole movie. It is all footage that the animators and the people at Disney themselves shot on their old VHS cameras around the studio. So it's footage you will never have seen before of like um, Michael Eisner talking at uh, meetings. It's actually footage of Michael Eisner talking at 
on meetings from someone sitting in the meeting or this is what it's like as a Disney animator. Oh, look at my friend over here. Tim Burton, he just graduated from college. Or this is John Lasseter. We don't think he's ever going to do much. And it'll like show these early years of these soon-to-be film icons. um, And like it shows the rise and fall of the Disney animation from basically what they were before of. They were basically days away. They actually did get kicked out of the Disney animation studio. And Pixar got kicked out because... Um, Disney actually at one point saw no future in animated movies. Wow. That's how bad it got before the Disney Renaissance. So it shows firsthand from these people of like, this was my first day at my job. Um, it was pretty fast and loose. And it actually shows like these Disney employees partying for their Christmas party, whatnot. Um, um, but we would work really hard nights. We would work like six days a week for like, 15-hour shifts just to make the movie happen on time. It was a nightmare. And then we got to do it all over again of like, it is the most firsthand experience I've ever seen for any documentary of people are clearly in the trenches. So like, they'll show, this is how he made The Lion King. And it shows them actually sketching a real-life lion in studio. And they're like, yeah, this is the fallout that happened between Michael Eisner and Jeffrey Katzenberger that left that led to Katzenberger leaving for DreamWorks. And it goes into full detail about that. And then um, not only will they, they don't interview Eisner or Katzenberger, they'll just actually show Eisner and Katzenberger talking to each other face to face because they just happen to have that footage. Wow. It is the most fascinating documentary you will ever see. That's crazy. It is not B-roll. It is we were actually there. And I kept waiting because I've seen plenty of documentaries. I kept waiting for the person sitting in front of a camera. Um, yeah, this was my memories of what happened. No, there's none of that. There is so much footage that they shot from way back then that they didn't need any. There's voiceovers for sure, but it's all narrated as you are visually seeing it. That's, that's nuts. I'll have to check it out. What's it called again? Waking Sleeping Beauty. Hmm. And it okay. is is really good. Like even like I said, the beginning of the movie, he's not in it very long. But they'll be like, and here's new animated animator Tim Burton and uh, Andrew Stanton and that weird guy Brad Bird. Like all these soon to be icons are just newbies at this job. That's nuts. It is outstanding. It is. I've never seen a documentary like it. If you grew up with the Disney Renaissance, I cannot recommend Waking Sleeping Beauty enough so you can kind of see what went into making all of your favorite films from your childhood. Hmm. Well, indeed, that's a, I think we've got some... There's a, a lot of content that we just threw out at y'all. I, I would be amazed if y'all were able to watch half of everything we talked about today. Yeah, well, you got time on your hands, but if you have any great suggestions for us, I'm always looking for good suggestions of what to watch on any streaming service. So let us know. Um, what are some of your favorite things to stream? Let us know in the comments below. Always like, always like hearing from you guys. And as those, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on, whether that's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or YouTube. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us on YouTube at Untraded Media. And as always, 
Stay sharp, movie guys and gals.